0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Should I Cut Bangs? I'm your host, Kaylee, and this week I am joined by one of my good friends, Kendry. Kendry is a marriage and family therapist, and I'm so excited to have her on. This was such a fun interview. As you guys can tell, we talked for quite a bit of time and it is such a fun conversation that we had. We talked about Kendry's time in school and what made her decide to become a therapist and some of the practices that she does with her clients that she takes into her personal life every day and in her relationships. Also, what is the most common things that she sees in clients, in couples that she works with, and all of those things. We also talk about the mental health crisis that we see in today's world, along with why health insurance is such a difficult thing to work with when it comes to therapy and mental health and what the problem really is when it comes to therapists being able to take health insurance. I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation that I had with Kendry. We get into a lot of different details and so here we go. Hi Kendry. Hi. Welcome to Should I Cut Banks? Before we get started let's do our current loves of the week. Okay. So what is your current love this week? My current love this
1: week, I was thinking about this on the way here and I realized this is something that I've been obsessed with this week that is new to Spotify. It's a like feature and it's like newish to me. I don't know how long it's existed, but I like haven't done it. But if you're a Spotify user and you click shuffle on your playlist, if you click it twice, it does like this shuffle with like little stars and it says smart shuffle. Oh, interesting. And it like incorporates new songs that like fit in with your playlist. It takes the songs that are on the playlist and then it looks at like what other people listen to who like that oh. song. So it like incorporates these like recommendations basically into your into already your playlist. playlist. <laughs> yeah oh is, yeah nice. it's called smart shuffle I hate looking for new music like I see it as a ginormous chore I do not think it's fun I don't know why I'm like that but I freaking hate I finding it new it to find music. me yes I hate it I love when I just randomly hear a song and I'm like this is fire you know yeah. like whatever and I'm like I'm shazamming it or like you and Josh asking yes I, I love when that happens like organically but it doesn't really happen like that unfortunately and so when I get sick of a playlist it's feeling really stale I have to go in like scavenger mode of like trying to find (laughs) new songs and um it actually makes me like low-key kind of grumpy yeah I think it does yeah it kind of pisses me off I want new music but I hate the process of like listening to a billion playlists clicking on artists and going to their stuff and like just kind of that search and going through and being like don't like this don't like this and I can tell within like usually the first like 30 seconds if I like a song or not same yeah I'll be like nope nope <laughs> And so, this new feature, at first I was like, don't mess up my playlist. Like, do not add your own shit to my playlist. Yeah. And then, I was kind of in that mood where I was, like, wanting to find new stuff. And I just, like, left it on. And noticed that, sure enough, it was recommending things that I was like, oh, I like this. Like, it's... Really easy, and they have like a little like plus button or a minus button. It's similar to like Pandora yes, style, like thumbs up, thumbs yeah, down. thumbs up, thumbs down. I and you love like, that. and if you press like plus, it adds it to the playlist, and like down, it's like I don't like this I one. I
0: really miss that about Pandora.
1: I know that was the best part about Pandora was that it would like learn you your would style, find new music. Yeah, you would, yeah, you would find this new music, and it was like smart learning what you liked, like learning your taste. Yeah, I love it. It's like this new feature, and I like have. Like 40 new songs now from like this week that I'm like, I would not have found this. And it feels more organic than like me doing those like searches to like find new
0: music. So, Spotify Smart Shuffle, that's my favorite thing of the week. Love it. So, my current love this week is so stupid. (laughs) Josh and I have been on a Rice Krispie treat. Oh, like it's just been our thing. And we went to Costco this morning Uh and bought the huge box of they're like the little snack size ones, you know, just whatever. Uh, it's like 60 rice krispie treats nice. for like 12 dollars. i was like okay well
1: what do you guys do with them we literally
0: just eat them just snack on them we should
1: get crazy with it we should we should start making some
0: like really fun stuff we should usually never goes wrong <laughs> <laughs> just grab everything out of the pantry and make crazy <laughs> snacks
1: got the munchies literally You're like let's put peanut butter on rice krispie treats and oh, it's fire like a peanut
0: butter and jelly sandwich but Heck with rice krispie yes. treats yes
1: Telling you. Don't be shocked. That's the
0: move. I'm here with Kendry. How long have you known Josh? I met you through my husband. Yeah.
1: Almost a decade. And so I've
0: known you for, I've been married to Josh. It's coming on four years. Yeah. So about four years. I met Josh
1: when I was 21. Is that crazy? That is crazy. I just turned
0: 30. And I've known you for about four years. I know, so fun.
1: I actually use you guys as an example all the time. I know we were like DMing about this. Yes. How to maintain your opposite gender friends once you like get married or get into a relationship and the very best way is to integrate with their new partner. Because when you do that, it like neutralizes the threat. Like it is what it is. I don't care who you are. Like you can have so much trust in your spouse. If they're getting a bunch of like DMs and texts and like, songs and like memes and whatever yeah. from like some chick, especially when like they're still single or like, you know, whatever. Like in my yeah. case where like I'm single, it's threatening. Like it doesn't matter. It does not matter like how much they tell you. We were just we've always just been friends. It's always been platonic. Like I talk about this so much with couples and couples therapy where they're like, we were nothing or like yeah. Whatever. And their partner's uncomfortable with it. The very best thing is to integrate with the partner. And then it's like you become friends and then you're like, oh, well, like they're my friend too. And like, I know that nothing shady is going to go on because I know them and I know that this isn't problematic because when you don't know, you don't know, especially when you like met in your single days and you just don't know them. And like, I've lost a lot of male friends from that time period yeah, because their partners just either didn't want to integrate or like didn't try. Like there's one person in particular who I really tried to like integrate with his wife before they got married when they got married. were dating I like followed her on Instagram and was texting her to like get together yeah Yeah. like whatever and she just like really wasn't having it and like to each their own like I clearly am like not her cup of tea as I continued to like talk to him at one point like I could tell that he'd gotten in trouble like he didn't tell me that he had gotten in trouble but but I could tell that like he had gotten in trouble we like basically just like say happy birthday at this point you know and like that's really it yeah and it makes me sad because the only difference between that friendship and like my friendship with Josh is like how she received me yeah and like you receiving me as like a friend and like being willing to get to know me is the reason why Josh and I have been able to maintain a friendship yeah that's it and so this comes up all the time with my couples and I'm like become friends with them if you're concerned about it become friends with them
0: it's so funny because on your Instagram poll the other day it was like like Mm -hmm. what do you consider cheating worst case scenario you'd put down to like texting Mm-hmm. And it was just so funny because so I messaged Kendry and I had said, least case scenario, texting somebody, but like, You and Josh talk (laughs) to each other all the time and I don't even think twice about it. Like you guys send each other memes or you hear a song or if you guys were to hang out just each other or whatever, or the three of us hang out, I don't think anything about it. And if Josh doesn't tell me that you text him, he doesn't tell me. If he says like, oh, look at this meme Kendry sent me, I don't think anything of it. It's just like, oh, this is our friend. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. It completely neutralizes the threat because you're like, yeah, this is our friend. And that's not to say like, of course, there's like worst case scenarios where like people have cheated with their friends like whatever their wife's best friend or whatever but ultimately it's about the other partner's anxiety about it yeah right and I have zero Zero. I'm very
0: much not to say like I'm so good at picking up on like energies and feelings but I definitely feel like I'm somebody who can like pick up on feelings and Mm -hmm. stuff and that's probably from trauma (laughs) but like (laughs) hyper (laughs) vigilance yeah like I'm very aware I've just never felt that with you. And I've never felt that with Josh with anybody. Yeah. I guess that's just good on me and Josh's behalf where we just are both very safe people for each other. Right. You in particular have just never felt that. Yeah. So that's good. I know. It is good. (laughs) Yay us. (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: the model example of making that happen
0: so kendry is a marriage and family Mm -hmm. therapist that's what family therapist yes you are licensed here in arizona Mm -hmm. is it an arizona license or a maricopa license okay it's an arizona thing which is actually so freaking sad because i have people
1: from like all over the country that dm me and are like can we do teletherapy and i'm like no
0: statewide everywhere is there a nationwide license yeah okay that's state by
1: state and like some states are really good about. reciprocity Mm -hmm. like arizona is actually really good about reciprocity unfortunately i live here so it doesn't help (laughs) me that arizona is really good (laughs) about reciprocity We will, like, take other therapists. So, like, if they're a fully licensed therapist, they basically just, like, review their hours and, like, check to make sure that they didn't have any discipline with their former board, you know, like, whatever. And then they'll accept it. And, yeah, like, other states, not so much. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've had to deal with is, like, if a client moves to, like, let's say Georgia or something like that. I can't see them anymore. And it sucks because oftentimes I've like built this like relationship with them and they like want to continue therapy. If I contact Georgia, oh no, like you would need to live here. Like you need to be a resident. You need to like do like 200 intern hours underneath an approved supervisor. And it like, they just make it so, so difficult. So uh, for now, I just, just Arizona.
0: Just Arizona. Just Arizona. We're very lucky to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so what made you decide to get into therapy? Had you always wanted to be a therapist or what was your kind of deciding factor? My like so it was kind of a slow burn.
1: Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. Like I actually, I rarely tell this like story. So I'm like excited that like I get to tell you and it's perfect because like, you know, me, I I feel like on a musical level because yeah, I know Josh on a musical level. And like, that's our thing. The thing that like made me become a therapist, honestly, was my like emo phase. (laughs) (laughs) Back in like eighth, grade or so, I would say I was like 13, I started listening to like Green Day. Okay, so it like starts with like Green Day, My Chemical Romance, Panic at the Disco. Okay, so like those were like 8th grade for me. Yeah. Taking back Sunday, 8th grade. So like those things started in like 8th grade and then like ninth grade became a lot of like Paramore and Boys Like Girls and like, I'm going through this like emo phase, right? I like wear all black. I like part my hair ridiculously far over (laughs) as we did. You know that like full forehead swoop? Yes. Yes. Like
0: you're Heart is on the side of your head. A hundred percent comb over. <laughs>
1: teasing the shit out of your hair. So it was just this massive poof. I love it. That completely covers your entire forehead. And I would have like a little bobby pin and do like rar in my pictures, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it's like aging me so bad. I'm a millennial.
0: The millennials are the best ones. <gasps> oh, my mother would never. Oh, my us. parents
1: were very concerned. Like my
0: mom wouldn't even <laughs> if we had black nail concerned. polish. I'm sure my mom would have oh, not been okay.
1: Straight up, my parents thought that I was like getting into devil worship. Like they were <laughs> so scared. I was not doing anything, and was so. It was funny, just a phase, that, mom. Like, it, it was just a phase. Yeah, you know they're like, it's not just. A phase it actually was it was a phase but what was interesting was that like for me it was always about the music yeah i didn't really like relate to the lyrics i could tell that people were like sad <laughs> But I didn't really get it, you know? Like, I just was really there for the music and then, like, the style. So, yeah. like, I was a frequent at Hot Topic. I still am. Like, old habits die hard, actually, because I'm still, like, a Hot Topic girl. I'm still, like, a Halloween girl. Oh, yeah. i very much into, like, some of the macabre. My, like, phone case is, like poison on it you know so like some of that like emo like stays in my blood really i was just like there for the music i just loved uh, this is so freaky i i want to like die as i say this but like i loved rock and roll like that's what i loved (laughs) yeah if i was in the 80s it would have been like i would have been like a metal girl i was very much into that scene and one thing that i noticed like increasingly was that people were actually sad I started to like recognize that other people weren't just there for the music you know i was finding out that my friends were like cutting and like things like that and i was like whoa wait what is going on and i don't know if you remember this i mean josh definitely would because i know every artist that we would listen to would wear these shirts do you remember back in the day all these like rock bands the they would wear the the shirt called to write love on her arms no no okay Josh will know emails out there will know exactly what I'm talking about all these bands like okay like Hayley Williams from Paramore she would wear like to write love on her arms and they made them in like all these different colors and Mm -hmm. they would make like special edition ones like I had a Paramore one that was orange and red and yellow ombre for like Hayley's hair Mm -hmm. and it says like to write love on her arms and then it had like on the inside back was printed the lyrics to the to we are broken by Paramore. Again, same with that. I just was kind of thinking it was trendy. Like I would yeah. see there, I would see those shirts and be like, I freaking want one of those so bad. So I would like save up my money from babysitting and such <laughs> and buy these shirts online. Then I would wear them with all you know my little emo friends. And as I was on the website ordering, I was like reading kind of about their mission, which yeah. was about teen therapy, kids seeking like help for mental illness
0: okay yeah and
1: i had no idea i had experienced mental illness in a close way from my mom like Mm -hmm. my mom had really bad depression you don't know what you don't know like as a kid you just think that that's normal because it's
0: your environment yeah it's your own life it's your your own life everybody else so i
1: just like didn't know that it was a thing like mental health was like not on my radar even though i was experiencing it so closely Yeah. I, like, just didn't know what depression was. Like, I didn't know what self-harm was. Especially
0: in, like, a kid. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: I would read these on their website I would just, like, go through. This is also, like, I was a Tumblr girl, you know? So I would, like, same thing, like, be on Tumblr and there would be, like, just, like, such, like, sad, like, poetry. I started to just, like, realize, like, that there were all these people who were, like, seriously suffering. I had been lucky enough to, like, not have it happen to me. Mm -hmm. but I became like really passionate about wanting to help so this is like 13 14 at that point I was like I think I want to be a therapist for like teenagers so that was my original plan was like I kind of wanted to help teens who were struggling I took a psychology class as a junior so a couple years later I'm out of my emo phase now I fully (laughs) entered the age of the smiths which is equally emo actually the smiths are so freaking emo yeah (laughs) yeah Don't know if you know the Smiths much, but as I listen to their lyrics, I'm like, okay, this is still very emo, 80s British emo. I had transitioned into that, but I'd taken a psychology class and I freaking loved it. And I was just like, I want to be a therapist. And then at some point, like as teenagers do, you like change your mind about things. At one point, I like wanted to be a linguist, like, you know, like yeah. all these just like random shit that I loved. And when I went to undergrad, I had taken a psych class and I loved the psych class. But that same semester, I had to take this pre-law class that was part of my like business degree. Mm -hmm. And I ended up loving that law class because it was so like philosophical, Mm -hmm. which is actually like within the same realm of sorts. It's different, but it's also very similar because law and therapy truly are like very much like philosophical fields they're both very like theory based Mm -hmm. and you have these like figures that we're trying to understand like humanity yeah That totally makes sense. Um, Yeah. So I got like really into philosophy early on in college. I had changed my major to business law and wanted to be an attorney. Was this at ASU? At ASU.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. So
1: I went to ASU. My undergrad was in business law. I was like fully prepared to be an attorney my senior year of college. I'm about to graduate I was doing an internship at a law firm and I was loving it. Like, I really do love law. And I feel like in another life, I like would have been a lawyer for Mm -hmm. sure. I was just like talking to the guy who owned the firm and he was like, I just want you to know that like you would be an amazing attorney. Like, I know that you're going to be a great attorney, but I like want you to know like what the downsides are of this job. And like the downsides are, are that like you can't get anywhere unless you put in like a ton of hours. You can never make partner working part-time. It's going to be really hard if, like, you want to be a mom and, like, whatever, which I get, like, was a little bit sexist, but I actually did value that advice because I did want to work part-time. Yeah. And not necessarily just for motherhood. I just knew that I, like, more so that I just, like, didn't want to work
0: He <laughs> <laughs> just wanted more freedom i wanted want more your freedom own life yeah i wanted to be work. able
1: to like choose what to do and he was like for example it doesn't matter if it's like my 20th anniversary and i have a trip planned to hawaii if a judge says like the court date is set for this date like you have to jump through so many hoops to try to get it rescheduled and he's like i've missed so many things like for my family I, like, love my job and, like, it makes great money, but, like, it's not flexible at all. Yeah. You don't get to choose. And you don't get to work part-time it it takes your whole career to get to the point where you're working part-time like when you're a partner you're owning the firm and you have like all these attorneys and paralegals under you and like even then you're still bound by like certain meetings and like court dates and stuff like that that you have to go to I had like taken the LSAT I was like ready to apply to law school but I decided to like take a little bit of time off and I moved to Utah was just kind of exploring and I like got into a really fun job for a little bit where I was like working with this company that worked with the Shark Tank. Oh, yeah, and they like fun. they help with the like redesign of companies, and so th- that was like consulting. And so I loved that consulting piece where I was having these like brands come to me and be like, "What should we do for a rebrand? Like, what would look good? Like, what should we do for our social?" Yeah, I was basically just giving advice to these companies. I'd gotten approved on Shark Tank with the sharks' investment money. They were needing to like redo packaging or like rebrand. Yeah, and like we were in charge of that like rebranding, and I
0: freaking loved that. That honestly sounds like so much fun. (laughs) It was so fun.
1: I I didn't do it for long because I was burning out with the hours. I had companies from like all over the world. And so I remember I had like a Danish brand and I had like a Vietnamese brand and I had a Chinese. I had all these brands from across the world. And like it was my first like salary job where it wasn't like clock in, clock out. And so I was like taking calls in the middle of the night sometimes, like depending on the time difference and whatever. In some ways it was flexible because it was salaried so like sometimes I didn't need to go in but then other times I'm like taking calls in the middle of the night but I loved what I was doing and so I was kind of like okay what should I do like maybe I don't want to be a lawyer maybe I want to be a consultant and then I had always also kind of wanted to be a teacher so I looked into teaching and then I kind of realized that there was this trend amongst these things that I loved the most like circling back to law people come to you for legal advice right? Like you're the expert of that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do. I liked that, like someone would come to me and I would help them. And then consulting, same thing. Like you're the expert, they're coming to you, like you're giving advice, like you're generating the ideas and like helping them make something out of nothing, change what they were doing, like totally take a different path. And I loved that. I'd always kind of circled back to teaching. Teaching was something I always wanted to do. And same thing, like you figure out what you're good at and then you teach that thing you're kind of the expert quote-unquote and then you're like educating Mm -hmm. and like it's all of these were expert if you will like roles that like help teach and like consult I realized I like circled all the way back to therapy I like went to therapy for the first time so now it's been a few years I'm 23 we won't get into like me hitting my rock bottom at 23 but (laughs) (laughs) suffice it to say I hit rock bottom at 23 (laughs) And one I night- think we
0: all hit rock bottom at 23. At yeah, 23 is hard. Yeah, 23 <laughs> is really rough, actually. Yeah, it's kind
1: of the worst. Yeah. Why is that? I feel it's like. It's because of Blink 182. That's right. Nobody likes you when you're 23. Yeah. It I'm going to blame them. Yeah. But yeah, I just like, I really hit rock bottom at 23. And I was like, I pulled up to my apartment. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I was crying about it. a man no doubt. And I was like, I think I need to go to therapy. At this point in time, because again, I'm, I'm old. So this was seven years ago. Like therapy wasn't as normalized. It was more normalized than it was earlier, like for sure. But it still wasn't like now. Yeah. Right? Like, like the
0: way we literally all talk yeah, about now therapy. it's like everyone
1: goes to therapy. Yeah. At this point, it was still very much a red flag to go to therapy. Like if you were on a date with somebody and they were like, oh, I go to therapy.
0: You were like, yikes. Why? I like refer to my therapist by her first name. Yeah. Oh, me too. All the time. Yes.
1: Kavena. Yeah. Kavena is my therapist name. Yeah. And I talk about Kavena all the time. My clients know Kavena. Yeah. Like, my family knows Kavena. My boyfriend knows Kavena. Like, he'll be like, how was Kavena? Like, what did Kavena say? Like, I I talk about
0: her all the time. I have, like, my friend Taylor and my therapist Taylor. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going out with Taylor. And Josh is like, you're like, not Not therapist Taylor. I literally, that's literally not legal. Against the rules. So sad.
1: I wish I could go out with my clients sometimes, but... Alas, I'm not allowed. I just hope that I run into them. That's actually so fun as a therapist.
0: I've never run into my therapist. It
1: is so fun. I like hope to run into people. I know that it's like bad. There's like such strict role defining things in our field. Serves a purpose. Like you shouldn't be friends with your therapist. Yeah. Your friend shouldn't know that much about you. Yeah. You know, like it just doesn't work. It it ruins the relationship. Of your brain and stuff. Yeah, it's harder to give advice as a friend, and you don't want to hurt their feelings. Whereas like as a therapist, it's like a little bit easier for me to like give tough love, be less supportive, Mm -hmm. like call them out on their shit whereas yeah. like a friend good friend you you could be able to call them out on your shit but I don't like sometimes you just want your friend to like listen
0: yeah like vent
1: yeah you just want to be able to like vent to your friends and so like I get the roles but the only time that I can like get away with like having kind of a casual encounter with a client is if like I run into them and yeah. if they like come up to me at a restaurant or like a movie theater yeah. and I'm like with my boyfriend or something and they're like hi <laughs> and like I can't engage with them first and so I like tell them all I won't ever engage with you but if you see me me and you want to engage with me you can like you can totally come over and see who I'm with I'm not going to do that to you but if you're out with your sister you're not allowed to yeah that's so yeah, interesting. Because I could out them, you know. So like, let's say yeah. that they're at the gym with their sister. Some people are still very private. It just depends on the person. Yeah, and so that like, makes sense. If I waltz up to you at the gym and I'm like, "Hi," you know, whoever you're with is like, "Who the heck is that?" I just put you in a position where you have to be like, or my somebody therapist. else
0: knows who you are. Right. Exactly. That exactly. Yeah. It's a chain of. It's a, yeah. Events. It's a chain
1: of events. Exactly. Yeah. So I have this conversation with every single client in their first session. And I say like, if we run into each other, which I work out in Queen Creek and a lot of my clients are like Queen Creek, Santan Valley, and I live at Santan Valley, Florence, it's like a small world, if you will. Like it's not the same as like Mesa Gilbert, where there's like a billion therapists and a billion people and and a ton of Walmarts. Yeah, a ton of targets. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I like, I've run into people at the movie theater. I've run into people at the gym. I've run into people at Schneff Farms for the pumpkin patch. I run into people constantly. Yeah. And so I let them know ahead of time. I will not be offended if you don't say anything. Like if we lock eyes and you're like, "Mm," and like run away, I'm not going to be offended. Yeah. But if we do and you're like wave and you like come over to me and you're like with your friends and you're like, this is my therapist. Like I'll say hi. And then it's kind of fun when like, I'm with someone from my life because yeah. then they get to like see this is my sister or like this is my boyfriend and like yeah. it's kind of fun because that doesn't happen you know like yeah. I can't be like it's like two like little yeah. bubble worlds yes opening yes up exactly it's like yes it's totally that world's colliding feeling because yeah. like I talk about my family and my boyfriend with clients some therapists are like really hush hush about their lives I like to use myself as an example all the time to like show how like flawed I I am like I will say you're a real person I'm a real person yeah I like to use myself as examples I can be a psycho girlfriend I can do this stuff too and I know exactly how hard it is to practice what I preach. And so like I'll use myself as an example, but like they never get to like meet him.
0: Yeah, you know? you know, like him. he's
1: not freaking coming into like my sessions. yeah So if like I run into a client at the movies and I'm like with my boyfriend, I I actually like love that. I'm like, "Yay! <laughs> this
0: is him. He's it's real." a way of <laughs> like
1: you like yeah, these worlds colliding in a way that's like not breaking any rules cuz like you out at yourself. I'm not telling him like, "Hey, this is oh, that's one of my clients" cuz I can't do that either. Yeah, if I'm not a saying that so-and-so, yeah. she, whatever. Yeah, I can't even say to him, one of my clients is he is in the restaurant. You're like, I can't say that. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. I can't out them And like you that. wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. One time, I it was kind of awkward because I was going through a breakup and I was with, out with a friend for breakfast and I was like crying in this like Denny's. <laughs> I'm like literally at a Denny's, fully crying. Oh my god. And one of my like husbands was there and I refer to them as my husbands and my wives. So like yeah. people are always like, what the fuck? 'Cause you're like relationship situation. <laughs> um, you're like, I have eighty husbands yes. and eighty wives. Yeah. This is this is what I'm saying. They I refer to them in that way, but they're my clients. I had one of my husbands who had left his wife who we were working together uh-huh. and he was with the other woman <gasps> at this Denny's. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, I want to die. And I just completely like shot down, you know, because I was like crying and I'm like with my friend. Yeah. And then like I see him and I just like had to like straighten up and like act like normal. And I could tell that she was like, what the heck just happened with you? But I couldn't be like my my client just walked in, you know, and he didn't acknowledge me. So yeah. it's kind of nice when like I see a client, they do come up and engage because then it's like a way for me to have that like worlds colliding in a way that like doesn't break any rules. Like it was on their terms and I'm yeah. like, Yay, like here's my best friend. Ah, this is my boyfriend. Or like whatever. And it's really fun. And then same, I get to like see their sister who yeah. like they talk about all the time. Yeah. Or like their this mom. This is the or... person I talk shit about yes, all the time. So like, I talk I talk <laughs> this is the one. The toxic one. It's her. Yeah. You know, no. <laughs> no, but I, I do. I like really love that. Right before I moved to Utah, I started therapy with mm-hmm. a woman named Tiffany Mosier. She still does therapy in Gilbert. She specializes in betrayal trauma now. And so I send a lot of people to her actually. I think she works predominantly with women mm-hmm. and couples who went through some sort of like infidelity, like okay. a betrayal. She does like EMDR with her clients and she does awesome like group therapy for women. And she has this really cool program with another therapist named Amy Fife and Amy and Tiffany run these like women's groups groups where you can go in like once a week and you're like with these other women you're like it's kind of like a meeting you know it's like a group therapy for like these women who are going through betrayal trauma and like divorce and like all this stuff so anyway tiffany's awesome at that point in time she was actually a student it was like crazy she's like an intern at that time so i went to her a long time ago so it's really fun to like see her like all established now and so she's at the insight relationship institute i believe is what her handle is or just Tiffany Mosher if people want to look her up if you're interested in betrayal trauma but she was my therapist and I loved her mm-hmm. I had never been to therapy before I had never felt like so loved I had never felt that before which like not to like at my parents My parents do love me. It has nothing to do with my parents at all in that way. But like your parents still have like expectations for you. Yeah. They get disappointed in you. Yeah. They know
0: you differently.
1: They Yeah. They know you in a different way and like you impact them directly. Yeah. Whereas like I don't impact her directly. There wasn't any like motivation for her to help me be better. You know, it's like when your parents want you to get your life together because you're 23 and you're hitting rock bottom, it feels kind of like it's for them. And there's more pressure. Yeah. There's
0: not pressure to put on a show and get your life together for a therapist. It's like they're working alongside you. And for your parents, it feels like you're in front of them.
1: Exactly. And like, if I don't get my shit together, I have to keep hearing from it with my parents. Whereas my therapist is like, okay, don't. Listen, this is when I see you. I see you every Wednesday night. If you keep doing the same thing and talking about the same thing every week, like we'll talk about the same thing every week. They don't have any like personal motivation. That was what I hadn't experienced before. And that's why it's so important to keep these relationships separate. Yeah. It's because you get to have that very unique feeling with a therapist of like, my decisions do not affect you at all whatsoever yeah which means that like when you are giving me advice or guidance or like direction or calling me out it is purely because you love me
0: yeah and it should like with a therapist like every podcast I listen to it's like a better help or oh whatever yeah, it's yeah, yeah, called yeah. like yeah, ad Yeah. like yeah yeah and it's help and sure yeah hate those. but it's so funny because the podcaster always says like if you don't like this therapist or if you don't feel comfortable with that therapist you can always switch to a new one Mm -hmm. and I always think that's so important it is that they put that the podcaster saying the ad says that because something that I think is so important in therapy and that you're saying that you had that experience with Mm -hmm. your first therapist is like such a safe healthy feeling and feeling comfortable with that that person you have
1: to have it's a good fit yeah it's honestly like dating and i tell people that all the time like if we don't have a good
0: vibe yeah if this isn't fitting let me know i mean i say that with my lash clients oh yeah because i'm just like if this isn't working like you spend spend a lot of time talking to them yeah and i'm like if you don't like the style we can change it if you don't like me i can refer you like i'll happily refer You to somebody else because I want you to be happy. You're spending hundreds of dollars
1: all this time like you're
0: listening to my playlist yeah.
1: bitch like literally and
0: so like a fit with a therapist is so important mm-hmm. so you having a good fit with your like first therapist yeah. experience is amazing I feel like
1: I got really lucky yes. actually because a, a lot, lot of people, people do not have a good experience with their first therapist she actually was Mormon she she did stress I think a little bit heavier than like I do the church what I loved about her because at that point in time I like, I didn't consider myself like LDS at that time. Like, mm-hmm. I've gone in and out of like activity yeah, this, this was an out at the at this point in time. I had like distanced myself from the church entirely. And so I was a little bit nervous about going to her. She did bring up like some church stuff here and there, but mainly just in regards to like what I was talking about because she understood, which was why I did want an LDS therapist. And this yeah. is one thing that I like emphasized to my clients who I like work with with like faith transitions and stuff because I work with such a wide variety of activity with mormons uh, being super devout to like fully anti yeah. of, like everything in between and the only benefit to coming to someone who is lds informed which is what i call it instead of like just an lds therapist or whatever well yeah lds informed is that i know what you're talking about yeah like i know what you're talking about when you talk about the shame like yeah. i know what you're talking about when you talk about your bishop or like you're a women's leaders. like so, i like, know what those words i know what mean those words and mean. i
0: know what you've gone through yeah, exactly. or you're going you don't, through. you don't i don't need
1: to be like what is this like what do you mean you had to confess to this man like you know what I mean like yeah. I get it and I know about the law of chastity and I know about the for the strength of youth and like I know about all of that and my current therapist is an LDS and so like there's nothing wrong with needing to explain when I explain to like my current therapist like oh the law of chastity is like abstinence and like this is how it was taught and like this modesty thing like you know
0: whatever yeah
1: I have to kind of explain that culture to her and so with Tiffany, I like wasn't part of the church, but I was that was part of what I was going through, was kind of a faith transition. I attribute her to like really being the start of like me breaking this like black and white thinking that happens when you grow up in like a religious environment. Yeah. And it's really any religion because I work with lots of clients who like aren't an LDS and they still have that like really black and white thinking from yeah. whatever religion they're Just Religion, they religion were in, in it's general. Re- it's religion. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany was LDS but I distinctly remember this is what I loved about her I remember that like she would cuss in session and I loved that Mm -hmm. I just like felt like it was normal I was like kind of confused to like see somebody who considered themselves active but was like swearing yeah I was so I, I was so black and white at that point that I was like it's so interesting that like you're normal like why are you cool like I was so confused by that and like the way that she like held space for like me and my decisions and she was like that's really normal and like all this stuff really that was like such a good experience then I went to Utah I did my consulting thing and yada 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 and that's when I like kind of had circled back reflected like one day I just I was like sitting at my job I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do I just like knew that i didn't want to just like keep doing what i was doing yeah and i was like i want to like email tiffany and like give her an update on like what I'm up to. And I like sent her this like update email about like where I was living and like how I was doing or whatever. And she had responded and she had told me that in this email, she had been like, you would be such a good therapist. And she was like, I know you've been like really interested. And like when I would give you homework for therapy, you would always like go down a rabbit hole. And like, like if she like told me to look up like attachment, for example, I would like have come back and been like, I read a billion articles on attachment yeah you're
0: like I've read every single article yeah exactly I
1: was like I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of attachment and this is like before the days of like TikTok and reels and stuff which now are like abundant of like mental health information and I I love hate it I was just like reading tons of articles and like seeing watching all these YouTube videos and I was like fascinated by it she kind of was like you would be good at this I took one of I took the like Myers-Briggs test I know I know you're into like the enneagram yeah. things which i'm actually like i don't know what my number is or i did
0: all like all of the personality tests yeah a couple months ago oh, and really? i don't remember well, i have it breaks, but right? i don't remember off You're, the top of my yeah. head so i'll I, have, to have to look it up to
1: look it up because that's the one that i felt like i had aligned with i'd like taken the enneagram one but like it's kind of confusing because it shows you like at least from what i recall it shows you like a percentage of like what numbers that you are right yeah like, so it's like, like a pie chart this.
0: and I'm literally like 50 50 yeah like see, a one was and a six for
1: me and
0: yeah so I'm like a perfectionist and like anxiety which is very on point yeah that is on point for me I can tell that's a vibration. I know that is yeah and so I was like oh yeah that one is what I'm in tune with yeah (laughs) awesome I know but see that was what was hard for me was that I
1: was like I don't know when it's two whereas the Myers-Briggs thing like it does give you a little bit of the percentage too there's only the four letters
0: oh yes 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 so like mine
1: is like INFP and so it would tell you you're like 70% I 30% E
0: Okay, I'm remembering this a little bit. So what is yours? INFP. And what is that?
1: It's introverted, intuitive, feeling, and perceiving. Those are like my numbers versus like... Or not my numbers, my letters. Versus extroverted, I think it's sensing, Uh huh. and then judging and thinking. Uh Okay, so like those are the other ones. So mine is actually called like the little 16 personalities like dude is called the mediator oh yeah 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 and i like it's this little like like of course girl who's like throwing a flower or something and i looked at the like suggested careers and like all of it was like social worker psychologist psychiatrist therapist couples counselor like it was all mental health?
0: I don't remember what mine was, but now that I'm thinking about it, it was like lawyer, judge, business oh, owner.
1: Oh, so you would have had probably more of the analytical code, like yeah. a, like an S and a T. Mine is
0: very... I remember mine was all independent, and I was like, yes, I've been independent yeah. my entire life, yeah. and it was like, I do not rely on other people uh-huh. at all, mm-hmm. which is very true. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. So now that you're saying all those things, yeah, I'm like, like, oh yeah, okay, I was like I a judge a yes, lawyer a business, a business owner. owner and I'm like okay well I it was like business owner at the bottom I'm like okay well I got one you of got them. one of them exactly
1: <laughs> exactly and so I was like I think I'm going to apply so I just kind of like it was on a whim actually I asked Tiffany so within that email I had like asked her like what school did she went to and she was like I went to the ASU like marriage and family therapy program Mm-hmm. and she had told me that they're like highly selective they only take like 20 people a year oh my gosh yeah like it's like pretty rigorous process to like get accepted into the program at this point i was 25 i'm still in utah at this girl point. i know my life is like crazy you're, you're like all over the you're place like, Bitch, stick to a timeline <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. I'm all over the place, but it makes sense in my brain that like this is kind of the series of events because I circle back to emailing Tiffany this like two years later. I'm 25. I'm emailing her. I'm in Utah. I had taken that test. It just kind of all came together. So I asked her about her program. I looked up the program. I distinctly remember that it was like thanksgiving and the deadline was um december 1st to like apply oh to the program gosh. so i like just barely like made it and they only do it the once a year thing mm-hmm. and so it was like ex- you know now accepting applications and i was just like i'm gonna look into it so i pull up the program And it has like all these prereqs that you need and like whatever. And typically it's psychology major and like community like experience. Having interned in like mental health fields, like being caseload managers and like stuff like that in like social work and counseling and whatever. And I had absolutely none of that because I was a pre-law. And so I was like, I'm not going to freaking make it into this program. I kind of had told myself. Which this is, like, I feel one of the best times that I, like, manifested something and, like, went with, like, what the universe was telling me, which, like, now I'm really into. But at that point, I feel like I was less so. I kind of was, like, I'm going to just apply to this program. It's, like, such a long shot that I even get in because I have none of the prereqs. Like, I'm not a psych major. I have, like, nothing. Like, there is, like, a marriage and family relationships, like, undergrad major and, like, things like that that were just, like, like, made sense and then there's me like pre-law and I was just like business law girl like having this like consulting background like it was so freaking random and I had just told myself like if I get in to this it's, like totally meant, it's meant to, be. to be yeah yeah. that's what I did much to my shock I got an interview and I flew home to like do the interview I was shocked I was shocked that I got in I was like especially
0: I, when it's such a small yeah, class I,
1: I was, it was so small and I didn't have any of the freaking prereqs, and I did feel like Kind of a fish out of water to some degree because all of the people in my cohort were like psych majors and stuff, and so yeah. like they had some sense of what we were doing. I had like zero sense of what we were doing. It was all like completely brand new information for me. Mm-hmm. And most of them had some sort, whether it was like sociology or psychology or like childhood development, they had something, and I was just like, I have no idea.
0: Like I'm just here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have no. I haven't heard of anything. I'm like Freud. Like I. I've heard of Pavlov's theory, like really basic psych like, one-on-one things I knew, but I didn't know anything else. So I felt like very much like a fish out of water. But my business law degree came in clutch for like doing my own practice. Yeah so that's like what really like enabled me to do my own thing and I'm grateful now that I like went that everything happens for a reason you yeah. know again kind of going into like the universe and manifesting I feel very much like I was always meant to like have my undergrad in business law because there's a lot of legal in and outs with therapy a lot yeah I can't even and imagine and like the paperwork and like the regulations and like all of that I'm like really grateful I have the legal background and then running the business I'm grateful I have the business background So like it ended up being absolutely perfect and I love it now. But at the time it was like I don't know any of this and everybody like knows these theories and has done these like internships at clinics and I had like zero idea. I was so
0: freaking scared, but I loved it. So how long is the school? And you started when you were 25. I was 26 by
1: the time I actually like started Started. school. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know I turned 27 in the program. Yeah. So ASU has an accelerated program. So MFT degrees are typically three years and it's 18 months. It is so hard okay like let me just say super intense i had never ever struggled in school i'm like gonna sound like very much a little like brown noser like narcissist right now but like i just like coasted through high school i like got a, a like full tuition scholarship that makes to one ASU. of us <laughs> like i would never ever study like ever yeah i would not even go to class i mean in high school i had to go to class but in college uh, when i had these like 300 people like classes i never went i never went to school yeah. and then i would just like read through the powerpoints before the exam and like go in and take the exam yeah and like things just like came easily for me and this program kicked my ass I like thought about dropping out yeah I seriously had never been so challenged it's because literally
0: double the work it
1: is double the work I mean they had stressed like this is an accelerated program it's very difficult like you will not be able to work during yeah. like you know whatever it's not like when people can like get their MBA when they're like working full-time or like anything like that like they were like you can't really have a life outside of this like they had told us repeatedly like if you have kids like you will feel like an absent parent if you have a partner like you will feel like an absent partner like your friends you won't see them anymore they warned us but I just kind of thought that it was I don't know like a scare tactic or something yeah it was not a scare tactic it It was was true so true I had never been so challenged in my life academically I had to learn how to study for the first time ever yeah it was so intense and there. learning
0: how to study is really sorry learning yeah. how to study is really interesting because like there's so many different ways yes a billion to methods. study and everybody's way to study Mm -hmm. is so personal yeah yeah so if you've never done it and now you're learning how that was
1: honestly a huge disadvantage for me because I hadn't ever learned at this point I had no method of studying and so I was trying flashcards trying like writing things out by hand over and over again I tried like at one point even like recording myself lecturing the material because I was in, I was podcasting at the time. So I was podcasting part-time for a lady. So I like had equipment and like knew how to edit. So I would make little recordings of myself like teaching these lectures. So like basically podcast episodes And I would listen to my own damn like podcast basically (laughs) all the time about like my lecture like material because I I had done really well with like listening to podcasts and stuff. So I was like, maybe I'll learn if I like recorded in like a podcast style and then like listen to it over and over again. I would like sleep with it going. That's
0: insane. I was
1: trying every possible like method of like studying that I could find and it kicked my ass. It kicked my ass big time. But I got through it and I got a 4.0. I was very proud of myself. I worked my ass off for
0: Literally that. Literally getting a 4.0 at the end of that. I uh, would be... Yeah. I would like tattoo that on my it, forehead. I very much
1: became a, a huge snob about it.
0: I would too. I'm a huge... There are certain things I was just saying to Josh like yesterday or the day before where I'm like, there are certain things that I have zero chill about yeah, where if somebody's like, oh, that looks really nice. I'm like, yeah, thanks. I, I did that. I did that. Yeah. I was
1: annoyed because I graduated in 2020 which freaking sucked because we couldn't walk like oh yeah it was such a bummer and so like we didn't get to have the like honors cords and yeah. like the like summa cum laude, laude like um tassel on your like cap we couldn't do any that of that sucks. I know it sucked balls and so the way that I was a total snob was I like you have to display your degree in your office it's like a rule I always just thought that people were just like being, being like brats about being it. brats about it to like have their things on display. Yeah. But no, you actually have to like have your credentials you have
0: on the wall. Do you
1: have a license? Yeah, you have a license and like, your degree. My life-
0: Graduating hair school, like I only have a license. Yeah, I don't have a degree, so it's like obviously my license. Yeah, you have to have your license on display. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: exactly. It's just like that. So you have to have your degree and your license.
0: Okay, out. So I didn't know if there was a license as well. but Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, there's two. Yeah, okay. And you have to
1: have both to practice psychotherapy. You have to be licensed and you have to have the master's degree. I like ordered a frame. I paid way too much for it. Like a very expensive frame that had this like ASU like embossed like summa cum laude like gold seal on like the mat of the frame and that's like the one way i get to be like i'm smart (laughs) you're like i went all out for this yeah i've never worked so hard in my life it's literally the hardest thing i've ever done was uh, was this program and so like take your therapist
0: seriously because
1: it is
0: a lot. Also, don't bitch when they charge so much.
1: That's the thing. OK, <laughs> thank you so much for saying that. Because I
0: pay a lot of money for my therapist. And I've never, every time when she raises her prices, I'm like, I'm OK. Like,
1: thank you. Listen, it never ends. Because we also have like biannual education hours. So we have to do 30 hours of continuing ed every two years. Mm-hmm. And those are like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Well, not always. Like, I guess there are some that are like just a couple credit hours that are maybe like 80 bucks. But like, if I do like a lofty one, like when I got um, trained in brain spotting and it was like a 20 hour class, it was like $1,200. Like if you you want
0: me to improve myself and improve my work, and this goes for both of us, like if you want our work as an artist and as a therapist to improve we have to raise our prices. Yeah, you have to
1: charge for that. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And like our licenses cost a lot yeah. of money to renew. Yeah. And like my rent goes up. Your, your rent, rent goes, goes up. up. Yep. Like mm-hmm. we have malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. You have a lot more insurances than I have, I'm sure. And
1: student loans. Student loans. Like, yeah. The
0: whole <laughs> All the nine. things. And so it's like you're not only paying me to live, mm-hmm. you're paying for like me, like you're paying for my product you're paying for overhead you're paying for insurance you're paying for right. the couch you're sitting on the yeah. bed you're laying oh on, yeah everything the even lights. my
1: freaking like I have a candy station and oh, like stocking yeah. my candy station and, like stocking my mini fridge with water bottles like yeah. my clients drink my water and like use my tissues and like eat my candy and I always have a candle going so I have to buy all these books like to lend out to my clients because I guess this is probably my own thing, but like I hate having to be like, Your homework is to read this book and you need to buy it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of therapists will do that, but like this is probably a people pleasing thing of mine. But like I like to like have it and like lend it to them. Yeah. There's a ton of overhead and I think that this is the the single worst part about being a therapist like let me like complain for a second is like (laughs) that we slash the uh, the rest of the industry even clients sometimes kind of like gaslight yourself into thinking that like you're not a good person unless you're like doing this for almost free yeah you know because
0: you want to help people yeah because it's about helping people people. exactly and people need
1: help right when you're in the healing industry Whether that be therapy or chiropractic, massage, like anything like that where like people need it for healing, Mm -hmm. you get made to feel that like if you don't accept insurance and you're like cash pay or like you're a naturopath or like whatever, same type of deal, that like you're in it for the money. Yeah. That you're taking advantage of, like, people. It's not like that at all. Like, I just need to live. Like, I just need to live. And I'm, like, not overcharging for my actual life, like, and my expenses and the industry standard. Like, all of that's taken into consideration. That is the worst part is, like, being made to feel like... If you truly are doing this because you're passionate about helping, then you would do it for free. And I'm like, I would do it for free if I lived in some like utopian society in which like all needs were all taken care of. And like we just did things based off of like what we were good at. And like we played a role in the community, but like there wasn't money. I would do this. Like I feel like it is like a calling and I'm like really passionate about it on that level. It just sucks to be made to feel like you're a shitty person if you like want to make a good living and i
0: feel like people who do that like don't appreciate it and they just are like belittling it and demeaning you as a person again not to compare what i do and you what you do but we both have our own practices and so like i've literally had people say to me like oh is that how much your product costs and i'm like one my product actually costs a lot more Mm -hmm. than this but i'm not using all of my product on you right and two like who's paying my bills not only here but like at home Mm -hmm. like i have to put food on my table i have to put gas in my car like i have to pay my bills i have to like not only do i have to pay my bills here Mm -hmm. not only do i have to pay the cost of the product going on your face i have to pay my bills at home exactly so it's like i have all of these things Mm -hmm. and you're bitching about 150 dollars for your lashes right it's so like don't do it
1: the cost of doing business alone and then you have to pay for your life. Like therapy has like a shocking amount of overhead. I think that people think that there's like no overhead with therapy and there is less than like, I don't know, a restaurant or something when you're yeah. like, having to like buy all of this material all the time. Like I don't need to buy a ton of stuff all the time,
0: but like you're like, not put- giving a product to a right, person yeah. right so yeah. so I
1: don't like in your way where like and my mom and sister are both hairstylists so I get it on their end where yeah. like they constantly are having to Very shampoo similar, and toners yeah. and like I don't have to do that But the software, for example, that you use to like take notes is really expensive. And then I also have to pay for a supervisor and I pay like $700 a month for like supervision. And so I have like my rent and then my supervision and then my software and then like all the little like office things I was describing and then my education and the insurance and my health insurance and dental insurance. Like I have to pay for all of that. Yeah. I have to pay for all of
0: that. Yeah, before I was married, paying for health insurance out of pocket. I'm like,
1: "Uh, It is insane.
0: It's so expensive. Like
1: literally it is ludicrous to see like my bills being a business owner and a single woman like I don't have the luxury of like having a dual income yeah my freaking like bill my my life is like I have to be making at least seven grand a month to like just break even because of like how expensive it is to like exist own a business yeah to own a business and then be a single woman that like needs to like I have to pay for all my own groceries all my own gas my own car payment and my own cell phone and my own this that and the other everything yeah is me I have to do it all and people think her. you're
0: overcharging by charging 150 dollars a yeah session. and I'm
1: like yeah I know it's so frustrating and the insurance is like incredibly rigged and it's really shitty and i feel like if insurance companies would pay their therapists a living wage then it would work but it doesn't so next time that you're upset about how much therapy costs like at the insurance get upset at, yes yeah, literally it is it is the insurance companies because yeah. i used to take insurance yeah. and it was a nightmare i was like not Surviving, I was ending up getting paid like sometimes $30 for a session. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah, like
1: you can't live off of that. And they get to dictate what they pay. And so like they can raise it or lower it at any time. And you like apply to get it raised every year. You like apply to get a new rate, but they can lower it at any point. And so like in the time that I was taking insurance, which was only for like nine months of my career they had lowered our rate like three times oh my gosh yeah so they, that, can like, no, whenever, they can lower can it whenever but you can only ask for an increase oh every my year gosh. yeah
0: that's why we hate yes insurance. It,
1: it's a freaking nightmare that's why people in this field like can't take insurance like it yeah. has nothing to do with them not wanting to be accessible like the accessibility crisis with mental health it seriously comes down to the insurance companies yeah like getting upset with like the therapist it puts us in a really bad position because I feel shitty that like I do have to charge what they charge like because i am so passionate about it that i'm like i'm not doing this to make money i'm literally charging what i need to live i'm yeah. not making a bag
0: because like making thirty dollars an hour off the insurance company you're not pocketing that thirty dollars no. an hour no and that's what people don't understand because yeah. not everybody is a business owner right people will yeah li- so they would think
1: like 30 bucks an hour that's great yeah like that's that's cool. That's really, yeah that's totally. Sort of yeah no it's not i literally was not able to make my bills i like racked up like 15 grand of credit card debt in that time period where i was taking insurance because i was working as much as i could and not making any freaking money because i was taking insurance i had to get out of the insurance world it is what it is like I wish mental health care was more accessible, but like that is the insurance company's fault. Unfortunately, the government, local governments can't do anything about the insurance because they're private entities. And so like the therapists can't do anything about it. The governments can't do anything about it. Even in situations with more standardized health care, the insurance still dictates what they pay the providers. Yeah. So yeah. there's my little rant about <laughs>
0: on health insurance. About health insurance. It sucks. So you graduated school after eighteen months. What happens after you graduate school? You have to do like shadow work mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's really intense. I it remember intense. all of this. Yeah. I'm still under supervision. Yeah. Which is
1: mainly because I take my time circling all the way back to the like the whole wanting flexibility thing and why I got out of law was that like I did want flexibility I just know myself I have ADHD like my clients know this about me I cannot work a typical standard like 40 hour work week it makes me mentally and physically unwell like I just am not built for it I actually don't think that women are built for it based off of our hormones and like I've talked about this a little bit on my therapy page but like the 40 hour work week was like built for men who's like testosterone just like varies throughout the day.
0: That is so interesting. Yeah.
1: And then women, we have obviously like these whole weeks, like the whole phases.
0: Yeah. Hormones vary by week.
1: Yeah. They vary so much that like there are weeks that you feel dead. Women are just like exhausted. We're just like not meant to do 40 hour work weeks. And I hadn't really known that yet. I just knew that like, Like it wasn't working for me to like work these 40-hour work weeks. Yeah. Like, I was not healthy. I had no time for like self-care. I had no time for like socializing. I wasn't exercising. Like I wasn't eating well, like nothing because I was just so exhausted. Like one week it would go really well, you know, like on like the good week of the month, I would yeah. be like, yay, it was a great week at work. And then like one week I'd be exhausted and one week I'd be emotional and one week I'd be on my periods. I'm like having pains through, or like migraines or like whatever. And so I really wanted something that was like more flexible because of that i'm taking my time which is cool that i like get to do that yeah you have to do 500 intern hours before you even graduate so you're an intern therapist before you graduate for a year and you get 500 hours and then you do gosh i don't remember exactly what the number is i think it's like 2500 like supervised hours or something like that. so you're
0: still in the middle of that
1: yeah and you have to do half couples or family half individual because of my distinction of being like a, a couples therapist, it doesn't make much of a difference to be fully licensed or not. Because I do something called supervised private practice, which means that I like have my own business. I pay a supervisor externally as opposed to like working under a supervisor and getting paid an hourly rate. That's nice. Yeah. So like that's something that Arizona does. So like really nothing will change except I'll drop the A. That's what it's called because right now my license is an oh. LAMFT. M F T. Oh, okay. And I'll become an LMFT. Nice. Yeah. So that's pretty much the only the only thing that'll change once I once I hit that. So I'm just taking my sweet time.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. So you have your own practice in Queen Creek. Are you taking new clients currently? I'm taking Is that a new thing? clients. Yeah. Yay kind of fun. Um do you work like what are your days? What are your hours? What is the thing that you're right
1: now I work um Wednesday, Thursday afternoon and evening and I do Monday morning and then like Friday during the daytime. So it's like kind of all over the place because I have like different clients with different needs. So I have like some that are like moms who need to come when their kids are like in school. And then I have couples who need to come like when they're both off work yeah and so it doesn't really work for me to have like a nine to five because yeah. people need me later
0: my schedule's similar yeah i totally get so it's it. like all over the place yeah i'm
1: gonna be switching though in like september i'm changing my hours to be tuesday wednesday thursday like afternoon to evening i'm just gonna do like tuesday wednesday thursday like one to eight mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna leave my like mondays and fridays open for like reschedules and new clients because nice. that's the hardest part that and my like reschedules but then on the times that I don't have new people or reschedules I get this like nice fat weekend so yeah I'm gonna be switching soon the
0: fattest weekends every other weekend like right now I'm on my fat weekend I'm off Friday through Tuesday girl every other weekend that
1: is like where sanity stays straight up my fat weekends are when I'm like I am a human being yeah it's so nice you need that this is what I mean but like people need that yeah
0: and And then like like, if I'm like home I can chill yeah I can clean or like Josh Mm -hmm. and I will like plan our vacations around that because it's every other weekend yeah exactly because it's hard to reschedule clients Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so I'm like I just plan my trips around it and then it always lines up with Thanksgiving and Christmas it's honestly so nice so nice so being a marriage and couples therapist mostly, like that's what you're doing. What do you see is the biggest struggle? Like what do you see commonly so with people coming in? everyone puts
1: the same thing on their paperwork. I thought you could guess it. Communication? Communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone puts that on their paperwork. Oh. Like without fail, every single time I open up paperwork. Occasionally they'll put something else too. Yeah, but it's like communication and and, yeah, most of the time I'm just like we need to work on communication communication list list what you're wanting to improve in therapy. communication like occasionally there'll be a communication and I would say like 90% of my like waitlist applications say communication.
0: I think it's so interesting. I have my thoughts about communication, but why communication? I think that people just don't know
1: what else it is. This is my take as a therapist. I think that it's less about communication and more about not feeling understood. And they they rope that into communication, right? Like they rope if they're feeling like we keep fighting about the same thing over and over again or like, it doesn't matter how many times I say this, like they do not understand how I feel about it, whatever. They're thinking that it's a communication thing. And so they come in and they're like it's a communication thing. Really, it's a misunderstanding thing. It's tricky cuz they are tied, like you would you think that they're tied. They're less tied than people assume though. Like okay. being understood and communicating are are two different things. Yeah. And so most of the time what actually is going on is an understanding issue and not a
0: communication issue. that's so interesting
1: yeah it's because we have a natural inclination like first person like internal bias kind of like what we were talking about earlier where I was saying like my mom had mental illness but I like did not know because it was normal for me yeah you don't know what you don't know yeah if you grow up in a family that's like highly chaotic and there's like screaming or like physical abuse, verbal abuse, like drug use, like whatever, that shapes like your perception of like the world and relationships. It shapes who you are. Like you are who you are because of your experiences and like who raised you and like what you saw modeled for you. Yeah. And then you like merge lives with this other person who has a completely different one like it doesn't matter how similar you think that you are you could grow up in the same town with the same like religion same type of like family makeup and it will still be different because you had maybe like two different like socioeconomic situations yeah or even just having two different genders or two different like sexual orientations or like whatever the situation is your life is built through this lens that you're progressively like seeing everything through. Yeah. What happens is like we get in these conflicts with our partners we end up trying to like prove to them that we're right and they're trying to prove to us that they're right. Yeah. And they
0: call it communication. Do you think we call it communication because it's like literal speaking? I think so
1: and I think that they think people equate not feeling understood to not being listened to yeah that's where it is so people will be like they don't listen and then they'll be like i am listening and they'll be like no you're hearing but you're not listening i would argue that like they're wrong like a lot of times they actually are listening but they're still not understanding yeah you can hear and not listen And you can listen and not understand. Yeah. And so what's happening is that people think that if they're feeling misunderstood, it's a communication thing. They either need to change how they're communicating it or their partner needs to change how they're listening because they're noticing like we're not on the same page. Like you don't understand me and I don't understand you. So they think it's communication, Mm -hmm. but it's actually not. It's those two perceptions and it doesn't freaking matter I mean, obviously, there's, like, better and worse ways to, like, communicate. For sure. Obviously. Yeah. Like, coming out of the gate with, like, harsh criticism and, like, disrespect and, like, contempt, like, obviously is not the way. So, like, yeah. There's, like, some, like, does. Really, most of it is understanding. And the understanding comes from having two separate lenses that you see the world through and every interaction. Yeah. And I have clients who they have this like spiral out of control argument and when we kind of break it down we realize it's because they had two different definitions of the same word right like one of them uses the word frustration and the other one makes assumptions about what they're saying based off of what their definition of frustration is yeah But they have two different definitions of frustration. Yeah. Like that word means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And you learn that when you become a therapist. So this was something that like is cool about going to school to be a therapist is like you learn to like surrender your own opinions and your own biases on things. Mm -hmm. And it's like the client defines. So like you referenced that the cheating poll that I did a few weeks ago. A therapist can have like an opinion on what they consider cheating to be, but ultimately, like the client defines it, yeah. right? If I have a couple who comes in and they're like, "It's not cheating unless there's like penetrative like sex." So we like will make out with other people or like have oral sex with other other people or like whatever, like, yeah, sex other people, and like we don't consider it cheating unless there's like penetrational sex, yeah, like, whatever. Then like I can't like say that that's wrong like
0: you Kendry, can think yeah okay I, I can say like wrong. if my
1: boyfriend was like doing any of that I would be like you're cheating on me but, yeah like,
0: but as a therapist as Kendry, a therapist, like
1: you decide what cheating is mm-hmm. so the biggest problems are when they have two different definitions yeah. right so let's imagine that she considers cheating to be penetrational sex he considers cheating to be flirting and she ends up I don't know getting kissed by a coworker. that like she gets, she like makes out with this coworker at that some company event or whatever but it, it doesn't go further than that and she thinks that she did something great by like not cheating and like stopping yeah. it there and then he's like you were cheating long before that happened yeah like, like how, how did that all even the happen steps that led up to this yeah. all the sexual tension that was being built the flirting the hanging out with them like like all of that stuff was like danger 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 like this was all cheating. Like this was all shady. And then she's like, no, it wasn't right. Like you can't convince somebody to like have a different opinion on something. It's pretty rare that we'll change opinions. Like um, most of the time, like we'll have our opinions and it takes like quite a bit to like have a shift of opinion.
0: Yeah. Especially as adults. Right.
1: Especially as adults. And with like your upbringing and like whatever, if you grew up in a house that like again, like, let's say that, like, verbal abuse is really normalized and, like, you grow up in a family where you guys are, like, cussing at each other and screaming at each other and your partner didn't, they're going to be, like, this is an incredibly toxic relationship. Like, you verbally abuse me and, like, da-da-da-da-da. And their partner is going to be, like, we tease each other and, like, we call each other out on our bullshit. Like, we're honest with each other like this is good yeah this is a good thing that I can tell you that you're being an asshole like whatever like they think that like that type of candor is like healthy right Mm. so it's like these two different lenses you can't say like one is right or one is wrong yeah and that is what people come into therapy for like at the end of the day it's two different opinions and them battling for like sell their opinion yeah sell their opinion to their partner so that their partner can be like okay well Um, you're right, like, I did do something wrong. And, like, that's what they're looking for. They're, like, looking for their partner to be, like, you were right, I was wrong, like, this hurt you, I'm sorry. A lot of times they're, like, I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even about... <laughs> Whether or not they feel sorry because they did something wrong, it's about that they don't even think they did anything wrong in the first place. Yeah. So then they don't want to apologize. Yeah.
0: And like then they have
1: nothing to apologize about because right. they
0: don't even recognize exactly. that they did that something it's a, wrong. That's
1: the problem. And it's not a problem. This is what's so freaking hilarious as a couple therapist. One of the most common things that I hear is like, if the roles were reversed, like, how would you feel? Like, people always try to say that. I'll be like, how would you feel if I did that? And even that doesn't work. Yeah. Because let's say that we go with that couple who has a different definition of cheating. If he's like, "How would you feel if you found out that I made out with a with a coworker?" She's like, I don't care. Because she would I be don't like, "I would be glad that you didn't do more." Yeah. I would be grateful that you like thought of me and were like, "I need to stop this now." Yeah. And he's like, no, like you, you should have thought that a long time ago. Right. And they just like yeah. fight like it doesn't work to say like if the roles were reversed, if the roles were reversed, they still have their opinion and they don't think that it was wrong. Yeah.
0: It's and, a hamster wheel.
1: And it's a hamster wheel. Exactly. And we call that a perpetual problem. Yeah. And that's why people come into therapy. And so everybody says communication and it's actually perspective understanding. That is
0: so interesting because the way you explained it is the way that I thought of it and I'm like yeah communication yeah (laughs) but then the way you explain it it's like We all grow up differently. We Mm -hmm. have different perspectives. We all have grown up communicating differently. Right. And it's funny the way that you were saying, like my family, I have all sisters. We're all very loud and aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm even like loud and aggressive with my mom. That's just Mm -hmm. how it's been my entire life. And so for someone new, Mm -hmm. like Josh, for example, he met my family the day after I met him in person Mm -hmm. for the first time. And so we're all very loud. We're all very aggressive. And it was just, it was very comfortable and normal Mm -hmm. actually. And I'm like, this must be like feel like a freaking shit show Mm -hmm. because we're all very loud and aggressive. And this is how we communicate. But there's just been times where like in the course of dating Josh, because we dated for so long or other people that I've dated in the past where they're like, you really like shouldn't talk to your mom like that or you should not talk to your sister like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you literally don't understand right? How this is. Right. Because, because in their
1: family, that would mean something very different.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm not telling you to talk to your brother in this aggressive way, but mm-hmm. this is how I speak to my sister. And like, if it hurts her feelings or if she spoke to me in a way that hurt my feelings, we're also comfortable enough to say, hey, that hurt my feelings. Right. That's happened before, too. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, we're just loud and aggressive. Right. And so now we're bringing these two relationships together where Josh's family is very, like, quiet and soft-spoken, and they're not loud and Mm -hmm. aggressive, and they would never speak to each other like that. And I'm loud and aggressive. Right. Because I feel like every couple coming together has these, like, quote-unquote communication problems. Yeah. And It's inevitable. Yeah. I feel like that's normal more often than not. And so bringing these two very different people mm-hmm. like two different backgrounds together like luckily we haven't had any like super serious communication mm-hmm. problems or whatever we want to call it we'll just bundle it up put a nice bow on it I guess <laughs> yeah it's just really interesting and I'm not shocked that like everybody's writing that same thing now says the same thing yeah it's honestly like kind of hilarious.
1: And I think comforting at the same time, because I will tell my couples, I like used to, I used to do this like magic trick, I would call it when I would have a couple come in, I would ask them like to tell me in a nutshell what their conflict usually looked like. And they would talk for like five minutes. And then I would do this like magic trick where I would be like, okay, I'm a fly on the wall. and like, this is what I'm imagining happens. And I would like give this like little role play where I'm like both talking for him and then talking for her and then talking for him and talking for her and I like would go back and forth every single time we would get this like bewildered look on their faces and they would be like do you have hidden cameras like they would be so confused (laughs) they were like how do you even know like call it a magic trick because that's what people would say they'd be like do you have a crystal ball like how How could you possibly I, I like just met them and I would do that magic trick if you will to like illustrate that I'm like because everyone's the same There's a fine line there. I was actually just talking to my dad about this the other day because I was mentioning this. And he was like, well, I feel like your clients probably want to feel like they're special and like they don't want to feel like they're just like everybody else and I was like I get that to some degree but when you feel like something is wrong with your relationship it's really comforting to hear like everybody fights about this yeah this is really normal like yeah. this isn't like you guys are not compatible and like your relationship is a shit show this is marriage yeah this is having a partner
0: It is comforting to know that it's normal to have similar issues that other people are having.
1: I'm the you in like my relationship. Yeah. And like now I have clients who like talk to their friends and they'll tell their friends an iceberg and a volcano and like a bird and a turtle. And they'll be like, you're the bird. And like in my relationship, <laughs> like I'm the turtle. And like, let me tell you like how your husband feels. Yeah. And so then they start having like an ability to like better relate to other people. Yeah. Because they're understanding that this isn't just a them thing. This is a pattern thing. This is a human thing. And it honestly like widens your ability to like have empathy and compassion for you to understand that everybody is struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. And
0: it probably helps have compassion for yourself and your partner when you can go relate to other people. Because imagine if you're out with a friend and you find out that your friend is similar to your partner Mm -hmm. and then you're like, my best friend is similar to my partner and this is my best friend who I feel like I can relate to on a different level and then I find out that they're a similar Mm -hmm. person or, you know, whatever it may be Mm -hmm. to my partner yeah. <laughs> And I can fight in this person exactly, and then you have compassion for your friend, and then you learn that like I can have that same compassion towards my, my partner. For my partner, exact- yeah,
1: bingo, ding ding ding. I have that exact <laughs> same situation with my current partner. Is like avoidantly attached. I'm anxiously attached, like classic. But one of my one of my best girlfriends is avoidantly attached, and her now husband was anxiously attached. And so when she would talk about things that he would do. I would be like yeah I like totally understand how he feels and I would like kind of talk to her about what it feels like to be that person and it was like she was better able to like understand that information being a little bit more removed from it. Yeah. I think like when it's your partner you're like no I'm not making I'm not trying to make you feel that way. You know like you get defensive.
0: Yeah. But when you're
1: listening to your friends be like okay, I know that like if Brandon were to say that to me, like this would, this would be like how I would feel and what would happen. And then she's like, yes, that's exactly how he felt and exactly what happened. Yeah. And then vice versa, I would go to her and be like, how would you feel about this? Like, this is what's going on with like me and Brandon, like Brandon did this and then I did this and then he did this and like, I'm taking it like this. And then she would be like, no, no, it's not that it's like this. Yeah. Right she would like open up to me about like ways that I was like maybe misinterpreting like his avoidant behavior. It just is like all around beneficial when you can understand that like, yes, we're all like deeply unique, as I mentioned with like the perspectives that are just like so heavily influenced by like this huge variety of factors. Yeah. But then there are these commonalities like with attachment styles as an example or like these personality codes as an example where like when you feel like there's a whole group of people who can understand you, that's where like real healing begins. Because I think that a lot of the reason why people like don't heal is feeling like pathologized. is like feeling like something is wrong with them, like they're broken, that their relationship is broken. That like something is like irreparable. It's like a flaw. And then when you can see like, oh, this is a common pattern. There's a whole freaking book about this. And it like perfectly describes how I feel. Now I don't feel like a huge problem.
0: It's comforting. Yeah.
1: Now I'm like, oh... People who feel exactly like this can heal. Like people who feel exactly like this can like change their perspective on these things and like have less anxiety and like, have you know, like whatever. That's where healing really starts. I feel like you can't really have compassion for yourself until you can have compassion for like other people but like it feeds off of each other right like if you're really hard on other people you're going to be really hard on yourself yeah
0: like why are you hard on other people right. where does that come where from? where does that
1: come from exactly and if someone is really hard on other people I know that they're really hard on themselves they have to be they have yeah whereas when somebody is able to like develop the skill of like being compassionate and empathetic and like open-minded to other people's experiences they then become compassionate and empathetic and open-minded to their own experiences. Experience, mm-hmm. And that's where we start healing.
0: You obviously offer couples counseling and individual counseling. And I feel like a lot of people think that they need to do individual counseling and couples counseling. Mm-hmm. And so what are your... Thoughts as a professional when it comes to doing individual counseling versus couples counseling or both together? Mm. Like, how do we as a society fit that into our lives? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
1: It's a great question. There's kind of like two schools of thought in like the psychology world and like in general, the nature versus nurture thing. This question like kind of comes down to nature versus nurture. Okay. Which is like, If you're the type of person to feel like you are, like, born a certain way and that you need to, like, be fixed because, like, this is how you are and, like, whatever, that's when people tend to do, like, individual therapy. Nurture, which is the school of thought that, like, I definitely more subscribe to. I think some things are nature, um, but I think a lot is nurture. I think a lot is, like, what
0: we saw. So nature being who we are, who we're born as. Yeah, like
1: anxiety, for example. Uh Like some
0: people are like, I like have
1: always had anxiety. I've always been anxious. Like I was born this way. And like it has nothing to do with my childhood. It has nothing to do with my marriage. Like I have anxiety. Like I am an anxious
0: person. Mm -hmm. And then nurture being how we were raised, our environment. Yes. Like
1: this did not come from just your brain like this is how you were born. This comes from like you had a parent that was anxious or you had a parent that like wasn't responsible and like you had to be the responsible one like there's a there's a variety of ways that we can get there, but like the nurture side says that our like maladaptive like or symptomizing like traits mm-hmm. were like serving some sort of like purpose in our like system okay um and we call our system like kind of like your family like the way that you grew up and the purpose is usually like survival based so like people pleasers for example they're not just like born to be people pleasers
0: nobody's born that nobody's way.
1: born that way yeah they're taught that that's either modeled for them by a parent or they had a parent that like did not look out for their needs at all whatsoever and they were taught that like my needs don't matter. Yeah. Right? So either they had a people-pleasing parent that taught them, like, if somebody asks you to do something, you say yes. Or they were taught, it doesn't matter what you want because this is what I'm saying you have to yeah. do. And so at some point, like, they learn that and they become people-pleasers because of like whatever factor and so like there's different ways to get to different things okay but ultimately like there hasn't ever been a time where I've had a client that like has some sort of symptom that I can't like that we cannot trace back to childhood yeah. like
0: everything it, it always leads does back to yeah it.
1: or some sort of traumatic event if it wasn't childhood like some other type of like big traumatic event but usually it's childhood
0: yeah Um,
1: And then our life just, like, reinforces that behavior over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over again until it becomes a trait. It becomes a character trait, but it wasn't actually a character trait. In another universe with different parents or a different school or a different, like, siblings, whatever, like, you might not have been that way.
0: Yeah. Even Like, like, same person, different environment. Yeah, exactly.
1: Going along with this... If we believe in this like nurture aspect, then all of those things that you are, quote unquote, you're taking into that relationship, you're taking into your new system. So whether that be as like as a parent or as a partner or both, those things are now impacting more than just you. Yeah. Right. If you have, say, you have depression, you you consider yourself somebody who has depression. If you're a single, like, human being, really, that mainly only affects you right now. Right. Like, if you're single, no children, like, that is, like, your thing. It doesn't really impact other human beings. Whereas if you have a depressive episode in which, like, you don't want to get out of bed for a week and you have a partner and you have children... That absolutely affects them now. It absolutely affects them now. And then they're going to have responses based off of that. So then your partner responds maybe by like feeling resentful or something, right? Because they're left to like do everything else they might like have compassion but they're also like frustrated because maybe you like don't get on medication or like something and they're like this ends up becoming my problem like yeah. anytime that you have a depressive episode like i am the one who pays for it not just you yeah. and then like the kids as well it's like okay let's say that like mom is a great mom like 75 percent of the time but the 25 percent of the time that she is chronically depressed the kids are, like, not getting their needs met that 25% of the time, which is going to create, like, an anxious attachment style because kids don't have the ability to say, like, mom is going through something right now and, like, didn't treat me properly. Yeah, they don't understand all of the
0: emotions, all of the... And so
1: all they recognize is, like, mom's shut down. Like, mom is, like, not listening to me. She's not engaging with me. I've been, like, trying to play with her. I've been, like, trying to tell her stories. Like, she's not responding she's just in her room and they're attributing that to themselves yeah and then they're attributing that to like i can't cause any problems right and like now you have an anxious child yeah who's like who's hyper vigilant about like reading your mood
0: which is not their responsibility it's not their
1: responsibility but like the reality is when you get married and have children or just get married or just have children whatever like your problems are now other people's problems yeah period Like, it doesn't freaking matter what it is. Even if you think, like, this is my thing, it comes from, like, my childhood, like, whatever, I need to deal with it in individual therapy, I'm always, like, very, very, very pro doing it with your partner. Couple therapy doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with the relationship. I have couples who have... An incredibly strong relationship like they're not coming to me because of their marriage they're not coming to me because they're like on the brink of divorce they're coming to me and they're like each doing their individual healing but they're doing it together what we call this is like the identified patient or the ip we have as part of their treatment plan we're working on one of them in particular for like three months or something like that Mm -hmm. where it's like they're the ip And like we're really diving into like their childhood and we're integrating that partner into that healing and into that understanding. Okay, so now it's very different because this same partner who's so frustrated with his like wife who goes through these depressive episodes or whatever, now he's in therapy with her. He's seeing where this is coming from. He's seeing the warning signs. He's also learning the coping mechanisms. He's the one who's going home with her. Yeah. He's the one who like when she starts to like have those warning signs, another depressive episode is coming. Guess who's there to be like, hey, let's get some more sunlight. Like, hey, why don't you take off a day now? Like, why don't you take a long weekend now to prevent the burnout that's like impending? Like like you like, can, can see it. the signs. Coming, yeah. Right. Because we've explored that in therapy your therapist isn't going home with you. Your husband is going home with you. So now he's on the same page and he has a deeper level of compassion because it is incredibly vulnerable to be open about your childhood and the things that have like wounded you and like be doing inner child work with your partner present. But there is nothing more bonding than that experience. Yeah. There is nothing more bonding. Like I cannot stress the degree of like healing synchronicity and connection and love that just deepens in a way that most couples do not experience when you are part of each other's healing yeah there is no other way to have that depth of connection than to like have you sit there and like understand this inner child who is hurting and like what those needs are and now when they like need this reassurance or they need space you're not attributing it to like you
0: or them being like neglectful or them being needy like now you can understand it yeah because inner child work is already like intense and vulnerable enough yeah just on your own like literally just on your own it's vulnerable yeah and now you're like experiencing it with your partner who is somebody that you should feel safe with and so it's like you're experiencing it with your therapist you're experiencing it with your partner that you should feel safe with and so it should all around be a good experience even if it is a vulnerable experience it's it's
1: hard yeah and like there's there's a reason why like therapy is not easy it's not i think that sometimes people might think oh we go to therapy and like almost immediately we're gonna start like seeing like results and like things are gonna start getting better no they don't they do not start getting better and i i like to tell people like right away we're not going to see like an improvement anytime soon. Like that really shouldn't even be our goal yet for proper like couples therapy in my, obviously this is like my opinion as a couples therapist, the most effective couples therapy is going to build a foundation of compassion for each other's wounds before we even step foot in like us. Yeah. Because that is impacting us. But when we jump right to us, we're battling for our needs right it becomes very much like when you do this it affects me in this way which is important I'm not saying that that's not important that needs to come at some point yeah but when I see like couples and couples therapists who jump right to like intervention which is trying to change things and like starting to like use I statements and like date nights and like these question (laughs) cards and like you know all that stuff which is like great But, like, not
0: yet. Like, it's a not yet thing. That's not, that's like, that feels like a Band-Aid. Exactly. I'm like, let's, like, dig through the weeds first before we, like, plant some flowers. Exactly. We do want to get there. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I love that. I'll tell people like we're gonna get there. It's only going to work very temporarily if we just jump right into like the actual communication, which is like the I statements and like how to phrase things and like whatever. If you don't have the ability to like truly have compassion for your partner and understand their wounds and why they are the way that they are, that stuff is not going to work long-term.
0: Yeah, and that stuff I feel like everyone can always work work on mm-hmm. but that's not like the first goal right exactly like everybody should be using i statements everybody should be going on a date right. night everybody should be appreciating and saying thank you and all of those right, things right. to their partner everybody should just always be doing that but right. that's also like basic primary answers right i feel like and
1: it doesn't work when we're still protecting our perspective
0: yeah and
1: trying to be understood like yeah you will just continue to experience the same themes over and over and over again. And then you'll be frustrated because you have all the like tools of like how to communicate and you're saying everything right and you're still feeling misunderstood. Yeah. And that's where that the understanding thing is the real, real. Like when you say communication and we come in and we just slap communication skills on there, now you're saying everything the right way. And you're responding the right way, but you're not freaking understanding each other. Yeah. And so it doesn't stick. Like I said my I
0: statement, but you didn't understand me. you
1: don't listen to me or it makes me feel like whatever. And so you can say it all the right way. But then there's like, you're still missing that piece. Yeah. And that's when I see couples who are like, we're not compatible. I'm like, we need to break up or divorce or whatever, because like we tried the therapy thing and it didn't work, quote unquote. Yeah. Typically that's because we jumped to making changes too soon. And we need to slow down. I like use this like analogy with my clients of like getting married is like a collision of two planets. If we knew that we were going to be doing this, like let's say like, I don't know, NASA very intentionally decides that they're going to collide like Jupiter and Saturn together on purpose to like create some sort of livable environment okay obviously this is a little crazy would they just like go in and like willy-nilly do it and hope for the freaking best yeah no You know that there would be many missions to each of the planets. There'd be freaking rovers. There would be so much data collection on, like, the environment of those planets.
0: And it would be, like, a few years of dating, not two months. Which which is a whole other topic,
1: too, of, like, (laughs) do you not get married so fast? But even then, it's, like this is where the understanding piece comes in. Because if you are coming from these two, okay, so let's say, you know, Jupiter and Saturn, we combine them and now their inhabitants are also combined and intermingling. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not... Like, we breathe water here. Like, whatever, right? And it's like, there's nothing wrong. It's just different. They grew up on a literal different planet. And so I tell my couples, you guys are aliens. You might as well be freaking aliens. Like, I don't care if you grew up down the street from each other you do not understand each other yeah and so go ahead and pretend like this is someone who grew up on a whole different planet the best chance that we have of having a successful like collision of these worlds is to understand the material that we're working with Mm -hmm. without judging it when we have a mars rover or whatever we're not like sending these like little rovers to mars to like make judgments about what's going on at Mars and be like, this is good and bad. No, it's literally the, this is just what it is. Yeah. This is what's happening on Mars. Yeah. This is what the moon is made of. Like this is what like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, this is good or bad. There isn't any judging going on. It's literally just the data collection. Mm-hmm. And then we're like theorizing like how to make it work. Right. Yeah. That piece is missing from couples therapy so often. And that's technically individual work. Right. Because one person is like doing their own exploration of their own planet and like trying to understand, like, why am I the way that I am? And then the other person is this astronaut who's like collecting this information and we're not judging it as right or wrong. We're just learning like this is why you are the way that you are. This is why you see things the way that you do. There, it is pointless for me to tell me that you're for me to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. If an alien comes down and says, like, the couch that we're sitting on is not green, this is, like, purple, it is entirely pointless for, like, us to just, like, try to convince that alien otherwise. Yeah. On their planet, this is purple. Like, yeah. Like, just accept it. That piece is where everybody gets lost in couples therapy and why couples therapy doesn't work, quote unquote, mm-hmm. when it doesn't work, mm-hmm. is that they did not do this non-judgmental like, curiosity data collection of Mm -hmm. like, how would your mom respond if something like that happened? Yeah. Like if something like this happened, like what would your family have done?
0: The individual work within couples. Yeah.
1: And like, how does it make you feel when your mom says this? How does it make you feel when your boss says this? How does it make you feel when your ex said that? Whatever. You might be taking note of like the differences and being like, oh, that's interesting because my mom would have responded really differently. Yeah. Right? But you're not there to say like, my mom did it right and your mom did it wrong. Yeah. Your job is to just be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just that understanding and like seeing and noticing the difference without being like, this one's right, this one's right. It's just being like exact same situation happens. We take it two very different ways yeah. because of this and because of that. That has to be the foundation. And that's technically individual work. And so when people go and do their individual work with an individual therapist and then like try to come into couples therapy, it ends up being kind of a mess because they're trying to catch up both the therapist and their partner on like what they're learning in their individual therapy. And then not to mention that like another part of individual therapy that's not the best is that typically your therapist is on your side, Yeah. when I have an individual like woman who is married come in and talk to me, if she tells me about one of their arguments, like naturally I like know her well enough and I know her history well enough that I know exactly how she took it, right? Like because she's told me all about her childhood. Now she tells me about this interaction with her husband and I'm immediately like, oh no, this made you feel like da-da-da-da-da. And she's like, exactly. And I'm like, he really should have been like this, like, you know, whatever. With a couple, you're able to see a little bit more of the this cycle Mm -hmm. and less of like who was right who was wrong but like oh this is where we got lost yeah this is where we got lost it wasn't about who was right and who was wrong it was like you took this in this way I meant it in this way and then I took your reaction in this way and like we rabbit holes and it like downward spiraled into this like huge conflict and like this was where we got lost it was like this little misunderstanding right here that yeah. i didn't receive it in the way that you sent it or vice versa and like being able to stop saying like that one is right or wrong and just being able to accept
0: that is how you will see it in perpetuity everyone's different And just being able to accept everybody being able to accept that right yeah
1: which is honestly such a huge schema shift as a human because we are naturally prone to like making judgments of that's weird like that's messed up like when you are dating somebody and they like describe something that happened in their family or like whatever (laughs) it's really normal to be like your family is like weird yeah right like everybody's family is weird yeah your own family is your family is yeah exactly Your family is the definition of of your normal and anything outside of that is weird. If you had a really toxic, like let's say that your parents were like drug addicts or like alcoholics or something, and then you meet somebody else whose parents were also alcoholics, you're going to be like, oh yeah, same. And like, you're not going to think it's messed up. And then you like talk to someone else who like didn't have parents like that. And they're like, are you guys okay (laughs) that wasn't okay yeah right yeah we don't know you don't know and so biggest problem is really not being able to accept that your partner sees the entire world and every interaction and even the words that we use in the same language that we speak differently than you assume it assume that you guys took it different ways
0: and they feel it
1: differently too and they feel which is also really important yeah Exactly. And like that has to be the foundation. And that technically is individual work. It's the inner work, but you're sharing it with this partner. Yeah. And now we have this huge, huge
0: capacity for incredible growth and depth and healing together. Yeah. And going through that, like we were saying, like doing inner child work with your partner, doing Mm -hmm. any sort of work with your partner Mm -hmm. just like opens up a whole new world. Right. For any sort of like growth and relationship and future Mm -hmm. with that person, Mm -hmm. like you're being the most vulnerable. Right. With that person. Exactly.
1: And I have people who will be like, well, I do go home and like tell my husband about what we talked about. So like he is still learning about my upbringing because like I'll tell him like, oh, I explored this. And like this is how it is with me right now because I'm not married, but I do have a boyfriend. We don't go to couple therapy mainly. I mean, we probably would if he was in the state, but he's not in the state right now because I'm like still a single individual, like I go to individual therapy and I like tell him what happens in therapy, but it's very different to like tell somebody like, Oh, I explored this dynamic with my dad and like it brought up this and this and this and this. And I realized that that's why I do this or whatever. And like, that's great. Like that's a second best for sure. Like yeah. for, their, for them to kind of get the like nutshell and be like, Oh, that's interesting. And like, that helps me understand you a little bit more. What they're missing is actually the therapist's modeling of how to handle that yeah so that's now what that person is missing you might explore this dynamic that you had with your with your individual therapist and then go home and tell your husband about it but then your husband is like oh that's interesting yeah like okay cool whereas when he was sitting in a therapy room he's actually watching the therapist look at that person and be like Tell me more about how that made you feel. What other times have you felt like that?
0: Like your partner gets to learn those Those skills skills. on how to cope with you Mm -hmm. or work through that with you when anything can bring up something in your everyday life because that's just what's happening for everybody is like we're all adults now and we're in marriages or in relationships and our childhood is getting brought into it. Right because that's just what happens exactly and so our partner is kind of just like taking the shit of it because mm-hmm. naturally yeah, they they that's are. what happens that is exactly what they're so doing it's like they're why... paying
1: for your wounds
0: yeah so like why wouldn't they want to be in therapy right. with us and learning how to help us manage exactly. like we can't manage on our own
1: yeah so they learn those skills. And then the second piece that's so important is it's human nature to, like, believe an expert over your partner. We just, we get defensive. And so, for example, if I have an individual woman who, like, goes home and tells her husband about this thing. And she's like, so that's why I get so triggered when you do this. Like, when you tell me that you're going to call me back and don't, it puts salt in my abandonment wound because I feel like I can't trust that you'll do what you say. Or, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're still going to be way more likely to like get defensive, even just hearing like why you now understand why you're the way that you are. Yeah. Like you're just explaining like, I get now why I do this and they're still going to be like, but I'm not doing that. Yeah. Right? Whereas in the therapy room, when I'm the one being like, okay, so when he let's say for example says like oh yeah i'll call you later and then he doesn't this is bringing up this this is throwing salt in this wound that's bringing up that or whatever even though that's not what he's trying to do he just forgot about it yeah it wasn't that big of a deal he said i'll call you when i get out of costco got into the his car from costco turned up the ac whatever got a call from someone else and like before you know like he just forgot and then was home and then you're like you never called me on your way whatever so innocent it wasn't anything but like This is what was happening for you. Now he's over there way less likely to be like, that's not what I meant. Like, I just didn't think about it. He's like, I'm listening to Kendry validate that wound and normalize the reaction, even though misaligned with the reality, like normalizing that reaction, which now is making me think, okay, it's important for me to like make an effort to call when I say that I'm going to, right? They're doing, they're connecting those dots without even me turning to them and saying like, this is why it's important for you to call whatever. (laughs) But that's what the wives do when they go home and they're like, this is why I need you to call. We continue to stay defensive. Whereas when he's sitting there over on the couch and he's having this compassion, he's, thinking in his mind so long as he's not a freaking sociopath who doesn't give a shit about anyone but himself if he cares about you and has any empathy skills at all whatsoever he's going to naturally be like okay when i do something very simple like that it sends her into this tailspin and yeah. i don't want her to be in that tailspin yeah therefore i'm gonna make a little adjustments to the way that i do things that happens organically for those two huge reasons it's way different than like doing individual therapy and then going home and telling your husband about it. My like new couples think I'm so strange because they'll explain a conflict to me. And I will like have this like look of glee in my eyes and I'll be like, okay, this is exciting because I saw what happened here. And like, (laughs) let's break it down. Like
0: I'm like, oh, there it is. Huge smile on your face. You're like, like, that's it. You guys,
1: this is so exciting. Like get ready. Like we're going to explore each other's planets. I'm like all stoked about it. And they're like, they're like you get off on us, like fighting. Yeah, I, I love it.
0: You're like my excitement should excite you. Yes, I'm
1: like I'm excited because we're gonna do something about this. That's but yeah, so it takes, funny. I think it takes a little getting used to when you like are fighting and crying, and your couples therapist is like, guys, this is an awesome opportunity to understand each other.
0: <laughs> They're like, I'm so turned off. I am leaving. They're like
1: I hate them right now. I'm pissed at them. What do you mean? I have to tell them it's not your fault. If you want a couple therapy experience in which someone is declaring a winner and a loser of every argument, there are couple therapists who will do it that way. It doesn't serve you long term, but it's really satisfying to have someone be like, yeah, you were wrong and like, you were right and you're like see, I told you that you were the fucking toxic one.
0: Yeah. Like, that
1: feels great, but it doesn't actually fix
0: anything. If you are looking for a long-term healthy relationship, but you also want to tell your partner to, like, fuck off, then do one of those, like, rooms where you, yeah. like, break things. Yes. Or, like, axe throwing. Yeah, rage room. Yeah, yeah. rage room. Mm-hmm. And, or, like, axe throwing and stuff like that. Like, go get your energy out. Right. That's Box. probably, yeah. like, what that is. Right. Yeah. You know? Like, go scream. Right. Like, go scream. Here's
1: the, like, one of the hard parts about couples therapy is that there's usually one person who wants to be there. And... The other person who's like being kind of convinced to go, which is normal. But the person who wants to be there usually comes from like two camps. Either they want to be there because they genuinely have a desire to like learn and grow as a couple and like experience that like expansiveness and that depth and they crave that type of connection and intimacy. And then there's the other one that's motivated by like, can you fix him? He's, He's not a good husband. Problem. I want him to be a better husband. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I'm not saying that she's wrong. He he does suck as a husband. The things, like, she's doing things to enforce that. And, like, they're in a cycle. And you have to be willing to see. We can go around and around and around and around forever about, I do this only because you do that. Well, I do that because you do this. Yeah. Well, I said that because you said this, which I said because you said this. We can go around it and there's never an end. Yeah. There's never an end. Yeah. If you're still stuck in that mindset of the only time that we fight is because like he's an asshole and I don't really do anything wrong. If I do, it's because I'm reacting to their negative behavior. You're not ready. because you have to be willing to look at yourself and be like why do I put my needs above theirs like when they tell me that they need space and they like need time to think and I continue to like blow them up yeah like they leave they walk out and they say I need a couple hours to myself like I need to like calm down or I need to process or whatever and I'm sitting here blowing them up being like absolutely not like if you love me you're not gonna freaking like walk away from this conversation right now like how dare you leave in this moment whatever if those are the types of things that you're thinking without being able to like take a step back and go where is like my inability to let them take that space coming from yeah why am I going into fight or flight and like blowing them up and saying like you're abandoning me you're yeah. leaving right now where is that like I need to look inward and be like whoa what is coming up for me oftentimes you are doing something to reinforce that because like you were you wouldn't let them get a break like you're constantly criticizing whatever and then they shut down and need this space and they're yeah. like internally panicking they in just a like way. need
0: to chill yeah. for a second it's a different
1: type of internal panic yeah it's two different people they yeah.
0: react in different exactly. ways exactly
1: But we see them as being the one that's wrong if we are in that mindset of, like, you walk away. Like, you stonewall me or, like, give me the silent treatment or whatever. And, yeah, those things are toxic. They are. Rarely is that happening without there being the other side where, like, you're harassing them. Yeah. And, like, you are relentless about like it. they're
0: not stonewalling you right like they're they
1: turned off their phone because you called them 70 times and
0: like they're walking away because they actually need to breathe right exactly they're they care about the
1: relationship they can see that right now it's just spiraling out of control yeah and so they're like we need to just like stop this where it is and like recollect When you're the type of person to be like, no, we need to fix this. I can't feel okay until we fix this. And it's not fixable
0: in that moment. And it's not
1: fixable in that moment. But you both are like battling for those needs. Now you're going to demonize him and he's going to demonize you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to come into couples therapy and we're going to go round and round because he's going to say, I need you to give me my space. And she's going to say, I need you to not leave me when we're fighting. Yeah. And who's right? Neither and both. Yeah. And like that is why it always comes back to being able to be like, what role am I playing? What is this bringing up for me? Yeah. Where did this originate? What other times have I felt this same type of panic? Yeah. And then being able to explore what happens for you and where else do you experience that type of panic and where else have you needed to do that same response? Okay. Now we're just understanding. We're not saying who was right or wrong. We're just understanding what just happened there. Like that has to be the foundation.
0: Yeah. Totally makes sense. What are your favorite like practices or
1: like theories or like interventions? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of. We mentioned like inner child work. I do a lot of like mainly attachment through an inner child lens.
0: Oh, interesting. So, like,
1: yeah, with the like anxious and avoidant, or like the pursuer withdrawer dynamic, or like pursuer or distancer or dynamic, I relate that back to the inner child, right? So. We do the inner child work, but it's from this attachment lens of you didn't have anybody who was like looking out for you. Mm -hmm. And that's where you developed a sense of nobody has your back in this world. Like you have to take care of yourself. It's a dog eat dog world out there. I have to put my needs first. I have to be really firm about my boundaries. I have to keep people at a distance. Okay, you have this avoidant attachment. And then you have them, like, they want space. This is where a lot of times people will like miss label their partner as like a narcissist they'll be like he's a narcissist or whatever she's a narcissist because all they think about is themselves like they don't think about me they don't think about anyone like they're incredibly selfish they don't have an ability to like hold space for me yes all of those things are true but it's not because they are a narcissist it's because somebody taught them that nobody is going to take care of you but yourself yeah if you're gonna make it in this world you have to take care of yourself and they're going around and assuming that everyone knows that and so when you're coming in and trying to like integrate with them they're like you need to be able to do this on your own this is a you problem like you're codependent Avoidance will often mislabel their partner as codependent, and anxious will often mislabel their partner as
0: narcissistic. People probably think I'm narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't need anybody. Like, don't need get, anybody. get away from well, me. I yeah. like that. Love that my boundaries. That, that, oh. That comes
1: from like protecting 100%. self. It's like no one else has got my back except me. Yeah. And like, I'm going to protect myself.
0: Like my favorite word to say is no. No. Yeah, exactly. I love my boundaries. That comes from somewhere,
1: right? And so the hard thing is, is like with couples, I do this like attachment thing. But I think that what makes it softer is the inner child lens. So I'll be like, I want you, like, let's say it's an avoidant like husband, okay, or like I use my boyfriend as an example who's an avoidant. When I'm frustrated with him for like doing or not doing something that I want because I'm more anxiously attached and I want more like reassurance and he wants more space, I want more just basically everything and he wants less of basically <laughs> everything, right? <laughs> what happens is if I can slow down and look at it through the, through an inner child lens, like with him, now I'm seeing him as this little boy. Like, now I'm seeing him not as this man who's pissing me off right now. Yeah. Or who's hurting my feelings or who's making me feel, like, neglected or, like, whatever or misunderstood. I'm looking at him as, like, this little boy who didn't have anybody Mm -hmm. in his corner. He didn't have someone who was there to, like, tell him that he was enough. Now this is why he is the way that he is. Like, Mm -hmm. it comes from this really harsh environment. And then I think... How do I accidentally reinforce that? If he has really critical parents that made him feel like a piece of crap and like he needed to like constantly defend himself and advocate for himself, he's automatically going to go into that mode when I criticize. Even if I'm not as critical, him hearing criticism is going to make walls go up. Yeah. And like, that's his healing for sure. Part of my job as a partner is to be able to slow down. And instead of just being like, you're an asshole who thinks about nobody but yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you have been taught that you have to look out for yourself. So then how can I show you I'm looking out for you? Now, I have a desire to help heal that wound. Instead of me battling for, I want you to be better about this. Now, all of a sudden, I'm imagining this little boy. My heart is broken for this little boy. And I'm like, I'm there for you. I'm there for you, little guy. Right? And like, in this way, you are wanting to like help heal those wounds because you can see this like wounded child and you're like, I'm not going to make you feel like that. Yeah. And then vice versa, when I'm so scared and like I'm freaking out, if he's able to look at me as this little girl instead of this like needy woman that's like oh my gosh why do you need to talk on the phone five times
0: a day (laughs) or like whatever yeah he's
1: like this little girl like grew up in an environment where like you didn't know if things were okay one hour to the next so it makes sense that almost every hour you like want to check in because things could go incredibly different three times a day yeah in your house it was so chaotic that like you need to check to make sure that it's safe three times a day yeah or five times a day or whatever and i'm not gonna make you feel unsafe now it's a totally different lens And so we're looking at like these attachment behaviors, but we're doing it through this inner child lens. And now not only are you advocating for your own inner child, but your partner is advocating for you as that child.
0: That's so interesting. It's I like that. It's
1: beautiful. And it's so bonding. Like once again, like that's something that Brandon and I have done. It's something that I haven't experienced in any other relationship for us to look at each other through that lens and for us to like protect each other's inner child that's
0: really different in a good way mm-hmm. I love it you were saying earlier that I feel like there's people who resist therapy and don't want to go mm-hmm. and then there's people who go to therapy and who I was gonna say go too much but oh yeah who heavily rely yeah, on even, like, their dependent. therapist yeah. are debilitated and can't make a decision without mm-hmm. like texting their therapist mm-hmm. or having an appointment with their therapist. And everyone is different. Every client is different and every experience is different and it's always going to be different. You said that you see your clients bi-weekly, mm-hmm. like that's like the norm for yeah. you. What's like an average lifespan of a client?
1: So, it does kind of depend.
0: You don't want to see your clients forever. Right. That's not... there
1: are some clients who I do have like long-term. Yeah. It's another one of those, like, it depends. Like, you know that when you said, like, everyone's different. Because sometimes I have, like, a couple who they are really compatible naturally. Like, there isn't a lot of conflict. That's great. They have something very specific to work on. Like, there was an infidelity or, like, something like that. Or, like, a job loss. Or, like, there was some sort of, like, life event Mm -hmm. that they're needing to work through. They had their first baby and it's, like, throwing them for a loop. So, there's clients where their quote-unquote problems are pretty specific to, like, a life cycle stage that they're going through, starting, obviously, with this foundation and then applying it to the life cycle stage typically, like, fixes the problem and they can, like, be discharged from therapy. And we, like, talk about warning signs of when it's time to come back what I anticipate sometimes I'll say like you guys will face another stage when your last baby like goes into kindergarten it'll be really normal for you guys to feel like you need to see a therapist at that point again so we like kind of make these like projections as well of what's going to be really normal to like stir the pot again for them and they're really temporary clients And so sometimes with those people, I wouldn't say that therapy has been very effective for people who go less than, like, nine months. Yeah. I would say, like, nine months to a year is kind of a minimum. Yeah. Especially when you're only going biweekly. Like, when you're going two to three times a month, it's just not a year is not a lot. Yeah. It very quickly just becomes... Um, not a lot of therapy. Sometimes that is all people need if it's something really specific. Other people have more differences between them. Some people have just very different upbringings and like it really heavily affects the way that they view each other and each other's actions and so it takes a longer amount of time to like understand each other like to break down their conflicts and then they also have the life cycle stages happening on top of them yeah with some of my couples who I've seen for like three years or whatever it's typically because that foundation like took longer Mm -hmm. because there were so many differences yeah there wasn't a lot of overlap lot between their worlds. And then also couples who just like happen to have a lot going on. I have couples who, the ones who I've seen for a long time, they had their first baby and that's crazy. And then it's like they decided to start a business together. So now they're like working through that. And then it's like their mom moves in with them. And like they are working through like having this in-law live with them till end of life. And then like one of their parents dies. And then they're like working through that. And then that kid goes to elementary school and they're back to having like school kids. Then their oldest hits teenager years and they're, like, dealing with that. One thing after another. Sometimes it's just, like, one thing after another. Like, just depending on the couple, if they have a life in which there's a lot of change, Mm -hmm. they need more help navigating that change. I have some couples who I've seen for three years and some couples who I see nine months to a year and then, like, they don't come back for a while. And sometimes I'll have someone come back three years later and be, like, Hey, it's Hi, me. Like, can we come in yeah and then I'm like always happy to see them so some people are more of like an in and out as they need and some people just have a lot going on so yeah the real trick is to make sure that you are going to a therapist who isn't there to just like listen to you every week and collect a paycheck that's a red flag if yeah. you have a therapist who you go to every week or every other week and all that they do is listen and tell you like, wow, that must be so hard. If that's what you want, your experience to be by all means but you're not going to solve anything it's going to be band-aid after band-aid after band-aid and that therapist is collecting paycheck after paycheck yeah it's not my style I'm the type that when I have couples or an individual come in and complain I'm like okay and what are we gonna do about it
0: we need to figure out what's wrong get the skills build the skills and then apply the skills in our daily life and like move forward from that. Exactly. Like when I first moved here, I full-fledged went into therapy. Mm -hmm. I had like eight life crises happen at once Mm -hmm. when I moved here. It was very intense. I was like, I have to go to therapy. This is insane. I was going a lot. I'm not anti-individual
1: therapy. Exactly. I'm not really. I have individual clients and I love my individual clients. And like there are some people who It doesn't work because their partner won't go. If your partner won't go, of course, I'll still take you. So I'm not... That anxiety wouldn't creep up on you in the same way. Because you do, would have Josh who was there for that entire journey and like knows what the coping skills are. They're there to help you with that. And that's why you don't become dependent on a therapist. Exactly. Because you're taking home a piece of therapy. Yeah. Like that's going home with you. I
0: feel like that experience for myself was so eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, that's not good. Right. I don't... You don't want that dependence. Yeah, because I don't feel like I'm very dependent on her Mm -hmm. I've seen so much growth in myself and so many skills that I've applied in my life and like I am so grateful for therapy Mm -hmm. like that's when I started realizing like okay I can like take it down a notch come and go in waves Mm -hmm. like figure out my skills more and just be better about that right instead of putting so much pressure on like physically going and seeing her
1: exactly and I will purposefully wean clients off so when you said that I'm like that is actually like the way that I do it when I have a couple who's come in like let's say that like their last three sessions they've been like we've been doing really good obviously things have come up but we've understood each other way better we've like compromised way better and like Like, whatever all these things that are like going well I'm like okay cool Then let's see what happens if we go a month and I'll schedule them out a month. And then they come in and I'm like, how was the month? And then if it was pretty rocky, I know that we like still need to be doing our biweekly. Yeah. If they were like, it went really well. Like there were a couple hiccups. I'll be like, okay, well, like what could have been better? Let's remember that. Let's do another month and then another month. And then I'm like, let's go two months. And then I'm like, let's go six months. At that point, I'm like, I'm going to schedule you guys to come and see me in six months. And like, if you want to come in before... Let me know if you decide. Yeah. you can add onto it. Always, I'm not weaning you off because I'm sick of you. Yeah, <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> I'm weaning you off because I want you to be like, oh my gosh, it's been six months and this is still sticking, and yeah. like we are different, and like I'm really excited about it. And like now we go in and we're telling Kendry it was great, and then she's discharging us and telling us like, let me know when slash if you need to come back
0: that's what I would want and like that's what I would want for other people like that's the goal is to be able to and not that therapy is a crutch or anything but therapy is there for you to heal yourself and then to be able to like build the skills to go live your life on your own right sometimes people will
1: say like therapy is self-care which it is but it's not a long-term self-care long-term self-care is like exercise taking bubble baths it's like yeah. reading it's socializing yeah. it's like whatever those are long-term self-cares like i shouldn't Therapy be paying a, a therapist to vent exactly yeah you shouldn't be paying a therapist to vent. Anytime that someone says, I just feel like I need someone to just like vent to who like understands me. I will say like, how about we get you in to learn how to make friends? Because that's really the issue here. Yeah, is that you don't have a support group. If you come in, I will help you create a support group and help you open up to people and help you with the boundaries of like when is it safe to share certain information with new people like whatever I'll help you with all of that social stuff and then let you go because you should have friends that you're able to talk to you should have a partner that you're able to talk to a sibling that you're able to talk to a parent that you're able to talk to you should not be having to pay someone to talk to
0: yeah like I'm a like I'm a friend yeah anytime that you
1: need to like run something by them that's not a sustainable thing it's not the purpose no therapy is not supposed to be upkeep. It's supposed to be the healing. It's like visiting a physical therapist for something. Same thing. Rarely is the purpose to go to physical therapy for the rest of your life. It's to rehabilitate you so that you're like more functional. And then if the injury flares up again, you come back. If something else happens, you come back for something different, but it's not supposed to be chiropractic, which is more maintenance, right? Chiropractic is like like a massage, self-care, massage and chiropractic and like exercise, those things, those are like the upkeep. And then the therapies are supposed to be a remedy for something.
0: It's like school. You learn your skills and then you implement them in your daily life.
1: And then you, yeah. And then you can go back to school if you need to, right? You can go back to therapy at any point. And I see people all the time. I have people who like do come on and off, but they're not supposed to just come in and see me every other week for 10 years or until I retire. And what the heck happens when I retire? do you know how problematic it is if a therapist moves or retires or like dies heaven forbid and they have a bunch of clients who rely on them like that yeah those clients then go into crises we are not supposed to create dependencies on us we're supposed to be healing and releasing with like always an open door it drives me crazy on a professional level I'm not mad at the like client. I'm like I'm mad at the therapist who isn't stopping this. Yeah, I am. I oh. get so pissed. What were you working on? Because I'm thinking for five years it must have been like an extensive thing that they're working on. And they're like, oh, you know, I was just like mainly talking about what was going on with my husband. And I'm like, for five freaking years, you paid someone. You easily paid probably. 15 to 20 like grand in those five years just to come in and bitch about your husband and have her be like, that must have been really
0: hard. Like, See you next week to hear what happened then. Like take me out, pay for my like drinks and appetizers and I'll listen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have friends that are mutually beneficial and that like you know that you are there for each other and like you switch off there are lots of times where like I'm going through a breakup and my friends like rally and then there are times that like something's going on in one of their lives and I'm there for them like it it shouldn't always be one way anyways like that's not how a support system
0: works that's ridiculous the only
1: one-way support system should be Parent, child. Yeah. Because we shouldn't be supporting our parents. Yeah. They should support us and we shouldn't support them. But like our friends and our partners are reciprocal. You just wouldn't see somebody for that long unless they actually needed it if you were doing interventions. Yeah. Interventions are your damn job. So if in your notes, the therapist for five freaking years, you like get those notes back and what they said in those, what the therapist interventions were was like therapist listened. Therapist listened empathetically and validated. Cause like sometimes I do have to write that like, cause every once in a while someone will come in and it does turn into just event session, right? Like, yeah. But that's not every time. Like, I don't allow that to be every time. Yeah. I won't let it happen. But if someone every once in a while comes in and they're just like, my freaking mother-in-law. And they spend, like, the whole freaking time talking about their mother-in-law. Every once in a while, my, my note is going to say, like, therapist and client explored emotions around their mother-in-law. And, like, clinician listened empathetically and validated clients' frustrations. Yeah. That should be a freaking one-off note. Yeah. If that's what the note says every damn time, like therapists and clinician explored emotions, therapists like validated feelings, that is a problem. Like yeah. you are taking advantage of someone, I think, in, yeah. my, like, in I my opinion.
0: I totally agree. To wrap things up, I am the worst interviewer because I always forget to ask this question at the beginning of the podcast. The one question I ask everybody is if you've ever cut your own bangs.
1: Oh, if I've ever cut my own bangs. Yes um wow I'm trying to remember I feel like vaguely like I have but I mean like I grew up with my hair. mom and sister yeah, yeah doing hair and so I know my sister did my sister definitely cut her own hair like as a little girl yeah but I do vaguely remember like I feel like I did but I like always had my mom there to fix it yeah you know like I think I would like try especially during those emo days that I'm talking about <laughs> I feel like I would like definitely make some cuts on my own but but yeah, I would be like help and like get some help. <laughs> <laughs> so yes and no. I always had a, I had like a safety net, but yeah, I think I have like started my own
0: bangs and then been rescued. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, you got lucky with those ones. But so let's jump into our high lows of the week. Hello. So Kendry, what was your high this week? Oh, let's see. You had a fun weekend. Did I?
1: I mean, I, I guess my baby, like my nephew. Yeah. I definitely loved spending time with him. He is him. so cute. He's the chunkiest most squishy I love him so much. Today when I went to like take them they were at the dentist and I like I pulled up and Chase, my brother-in-law and my dad are like sitting in the car with the baby and my mom and my sister are still in the dentist's office I could see before I even got in the car that like Shep was like screaming <laughs> and I was like oh no and I like opened up the door and my dad was just like wide-eyed and like Chase is just like wide-eyed and I was like you know where's Sadie and like what's going on and like chase is like he's hungry like he was supposed to eat like an hour ago but like they're not done with their teeth yet and like whatever so he's just like red in the face he's got like actual tears chase is like trying he's like trying so hard he's like putting in the pacifier he's like playing with toys like it just was was like not working and i could tell that like that had been going on for some time based off of like both of their like eyes yeah I was like the energy was telling me that like this was not a recent chase said, I he was like do you want your candy which is like what they call me so he's like do you want your candy and he like just like puts him in the back seat I'm like sitting in the back seat of my dad's jeep and he like
0: without even yeah. questioning it was like so done seeing if
1: like some other human like stimulating him in some way will help and I like grab him and I like held him just to my chest and like just started patting his like little back and he like immediately stopped and I was just like heart melting Instantly, And I think, like, that happens for two reasons. I think, like, babies can sense, like, dysregulation. And so the longer, that, the longer that they scream and the more dysregulated that their parents become, like, the less likely that they'll calm down. Yeah. Because they're feeding off of that dysregulation. When I could tell by the energy in the car that, like, it'd been going on for a while, I could tell that Chase was dysregulated, my dad was dysregulated, and the baby was. And then I'm this new person that's very regulated. I'm coming into it brand new. Yeah. And so I think that like that co-regulation happened was me just holding him and being calm was him able to be like, oh, OK. But also I like to tell myself it's because I'm his favorite. You know, I'm like, it's also just because Candy. He, he loves me. Candy, <laughs> and he loves me more than his dad. <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> He loves me more than dad and grandpa. Yeah. He didn't want anybody but candy. And I just cannot with that. I like have said it a thousand times today. Like as soon as I saw my sister and my mom, I was like, guess what? He was screaming and then he fell asleep on me. <laughs> and he's like asleep on me. And it's just like so precious. And like, so he's definitely the high. I feel like my low has been like my sleep. I have like Ugh. not been able to sleep lately. And I don't know if it's like the i feel like i'm staying up later because it's light darker same we've like, been doing or, the same thing or light later i guess yeah like longer days yeah like, like, it's days. Right yeah, like it's i'm like okay almost 8 PM. yeah it's almost eight and it's still sunny outside and so what happens is like i feel like i don't start my wind down until it's like dark yeah and then I'm like staying up later I'm eating later and like like Josh is picking up later. dinner right yeah, exactly. now I'm like, like it's gonna be 8 o'clock everything is later and then I think it's kind of like messing with my sleep schedule so I, I'm i like exhausted I like called out actually today I like cancelled my morning sessions yeah. because when my alarm went off I was like I can't I literally <laughs> can't show up as a therapist right now I'm yeah. too tired to show up as a therapist and like I'm not gonna waste someone's time and so I had to text them and be like hello I need to reschedule like so sorry for the last minute I don't tell them why but what was happening was that I was like I am a freaking zombie it is not going to serve anybody for me to just like force myself to show up to these two sessions and like sit there and be a zombie yeah. I'm gonna be miserable and they're gonna pick up on like me not being there
0: like not being so present. I just need to cancel yeah so like yeah.
1: that was me it was like last night was my low last night was my low and then like today was Shep falling asleep on
0: me during his low is my high (laughs) my high is that we went to trader joe's and i get flowers every time we go to trader Mm. joe's and i was nice and i let josh pick the flowers and he picked daisies and they're so cute they're like yellow and the insides is kind of like a pale pink color well there's like the black inside yeah Yeah, so cute so props to josh Josh. but that's my high because they're super cute that's cute And my low is that Josh and I went to the Vig. Have you been to the Vig?
1: I haven't been to the Vig, but I... Oh, wait. Yes, I have. I did go to the Vig once for a bachelorette party. Okay. okay. So
0: Josh and I have been a handful of times and we really like it. And they change up the menu too much. Mm, It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I posted about it on our Trader Joe's page. We really like, it's like a roasted cauliflower appetizer. Mm. And it has like blue cheese and like some sort of sauce on it. And it's so good. And we went on Saturday because I was like, I'm craving that That, cauliflower. You were like,
1: this is what I I want.
0: Yes, I wanted it so bad. And we get there and we sit down and I'm like looking and I don't see it. Oh no! And so we asked the waiter and he was like, guys, they literally just got rid of it on Thursday. Oh my God. He's like, apparently, call- he was so funny. He's like, apparently cauliflower is out of season. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you're like, we I can go to the store the and buy it. Store. Like it's always there. I know. He was like, I fought for it. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but oh, it, we didn't win. Sucks. So I don't know. Hopefully it'll be back, but it's. Really good even though we can't eat it. So that is my low this week because we like, missed it by 2 days. Low. That's a good bad low. Yes. Oh, it was so frustrating. So anyway, so high lows for the week. Yeah. Thank you Kendry for Thank joining you. me today. This fun. It got so dark I in know. here. I know. It got dark. Um, so tell everybody where they can find you on like Instagram and everywhere and then I'll link whatever handles you want me oh, cool. to link and Thanks. tag whatever you want me to tag.
1: My Instagram is just at sync.therapy, which is S-Y-N-C like synchronicity like getting in sync yeah love it so sync dot therapy and I have like a link in bio thing that has like my waitlist application to get on the waitlist
0: and you have a podcast
1: I do have a podcast yes between the sheets yes (laughs) that's like more of my like sex therapy which we didn't really talk about today but my sex therapy focus and yeah I talk a lot on there but Yeah. yeah awesome between the sheets therapy
0: head to toe thanks Kendri thank you thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode you guys can find me on instagram at shouldicutbangs.podcast for all the behind the scenes we'll have everything linked in the show notes for you and you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts can be found so that you don't miss a thing and I want to hear from you guys so please leave a rating and review as well and I will see you guys next week